Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Short Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and real estate agent here at Renegade Realty Group with Keller Williams. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? Well, RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations across Metro Detroit. Right now, we're at Shields on 10 Mile and Southfield. We also have the Ask Me Anything, and that bounces around everywhere. But this group is about networking and doing deals, folks. This ain't your grandma's Rhea. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Those dark, sorry-ass, dingy rooms. RDI is also this podcast where we sit down, hopefully every week. I'm kind of back on track now with interesting people and continue the real estate conversation. If you ever want to attend any of the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Legal disclaimer. Don't blame me, folks. It's the world you fucking made. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. We also recommend that you grow the fuck up, be an adult, and don't sue any of us, okay? Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I had my guests pick this one out. We must be willing to let go of the life we have planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. And that's by E.M. Forrester. And this week, folks, I have Matthew McCall Stillman. All right. Many of you know him. Uh, first grade, apparently got turned down for selling cars at Ford on Grand River, and he worked his way up from there. Um he went to, oh, I, sorry, I forgot the school. I didn't, I didn't put that in. Um, U of M. U of M. U of D High School. U of, U of D. High, yeah. College, so yeah. we had Carson McGuire on, who was yeah. also U of D. Correct. Right? Sorry about yeah. that, folks. Uh, Sharp guy. We're shooting from the hip to, today on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so, and then um, he's done a lot of stuff. College was a mix of working as a personal trainer, drummer, working with DTE, Penske, wedding DJ, you know, he had, he had some bills to pay acting as some commercial valet manager. We all got to, you know, whatever you're doing to get through college, post-college. He worked as a financial analyst for Chrysler and he moved over to Quicken Loans and became a leader within the first year. Five years later, went to UWM as a trainer for underwriting and appraisals, right? Got into rentals, got a license while he was at United. Um, then he opened M5 Property Holdings. Um, we're going to talk about this. This is interesting. Got hired to work for a cash advance company in Troy. Blew the whistle. And oh, now man, the company I, I got is shut for down. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Don't <laughs> let me let that slip through. Right? Right. And at that point, he made a decision to work on himself from there. He partnered with somebody who else has been on the co uh, podcast before, Mr. Jeff Lipple. The man. Doing some wholesaling and flips. And he opened Dynamic Investments. And uh, one of the reasons why we're here today, a big reason, he opened Woodward Square Realty in 2017. I think he might be an interesting fit for some of you loner, especially loner investor, kind of realtor, want to do a little bit of everything with someone who has done everything too and isn't uh, closed-minded. Kind of depends on where you go if you want to hold your license. He also partnered on some flips with Eric. Uh, opened Great Dane Homes and opened Rent Roll Property Management in 2018, working on a mergers. 2020 business focus, obviously, is trying to grow his brokerage, right? 
Woodward Square Realty. He wants to grow it to one of the best content brokerages out there, right? Produce 20 plus videos, um, high monthly value series, docs and drinks, create commercials for agents, a lot of things he wants to do. Continue building the highest value, low cost brokerage. That is what he wants. You want to reach out to him directly, 248-974-2190. You can also email him, mstillman at wsrealtor. Get it, Woodward Square, realtor.com or wsrhome.com. And he's also on Facebook, too. All these links will be in the show notes. It's Woodward Square. And on Instagram, he's like my broker, Matt. Welcome to the podcast, sir. It is a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Also, he brought us some Suntory. Did I saying that right? Yeah. Suntory whiskey. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. You nailed it. There you go. So, uh, Renegade Detroit Investors, thanks you. So, now it's sitting right here, right on the table. For those watching on YouTube, you can see it. But I just want to let you know it was here. Thank you. We appreciate that. And welcome to the podcast. Well, man, you've done a lot of shit. Been a busy boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing to yeah. me was you kind of live two lives, a California life and a Michigan life. So let's let's start with that because I went to 12 different schools. So I feel like this is something we have in common. A lot of people just live in one place forever. You had two lives. I felt like I had 12 lives, but that is a different way of living that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Even if you live somewhere for seven years and move somewhere else, it's usually within but to have these two lives, uh, let's talk about that. Because yeah. you're like California and Michigan there, right? Yeah. I'm a Kelly, look at Kelly Gander. <laughs> Kelly Gander. <laughs> um, you got to you gotta go pat. Go, what is it? Trademark, trademark that. Yeah, that. yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, man. It's funny. I know you went to so many schools, too. I was I was in probably seven or eight myself. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, my first handful of years, I was back and forth between California and Michigan. Uh, Mom moved out there. She was doing acting and modeling. Um, met my dad. He was in, um, he was in audio video recording. He did some really cool stuff with some pretty big names. Um, and they got together like, Hey, let's make a baby. <laughs> so bam. the love child, right? love child. Right. Yeah. I, I think I, I grew up with sunflowers around me actually out there. <laughs> um, and then, uh, after a while it was, it was a noble attempt, but mom moved back here and pretty much I'd spend my summers out in California after that. Um, but it was very, it was, it was a wild, wild, ah, wild world for me. I didn't even realize it, it was very normal because that's all I knew, right? But out here, you know, I was in Detroit. Was, I lived on Patton, and I, you know, gunshots, yeah. um, seeing people chasing each other around, shooting each other, like hitting, do. Um, that was kind of normal. It was kind of like, wow, this is this is weird, you know. Like when, when people say, Hey, hit the floor. Like I thought it was a fun game. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> like I wasn't really, it was, just, it was weird. It was, but it did get scarier when, you know, we started getting the robberies and you know, our car, I can't, it was damn impressive how they would steal our sound system. Like I remember one day I went out to the car, um, car sitting right in the driveway. I can see it. And I go out there to put my bag in and I was like, get ready, get ready. We've got to go to school. And I go, I lock the door. I come back inside. I'm sitting in the, the living room looking at the car. I can see like 75% of the car while I'm watching TV, waiting another five minutes. Five minutes later, I come out, windows busted, systems out, my bag's gone. I'm like, I just started clapping. I was like, that Good was job. impressive. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know how you did that, but um, definitely been robbed a few times, door kicked in while we were there. And I was kind of the, I was the eldest of two, uh, two boys. And so, you know, feeling like you're 
when you're 13 and you're the man, you grab a bat like that's going to do much. You know, it's kind of silly. Um, got to do something. Though, I know, right? like I know, but let's take it. Like, yeah. Last time we got robbed was Christmas Eve. Um, it was pretty interesting. My mom, uh, you know, she got us some gifts. We, we never did well. Um, we're always kind of grown, you know, food stamps were pretty normal for us. Um, she tried, she worked her butt off, man. She, she loves us fiercely, but you know, it was tight. It was always tight. And I remember when we got robbed, um, I was so, I was so sad for her and, you know, I was probably like 14 or 15 at this point. I was like, man, this, I can't believe how many times we've been robbed. Like how many times a car has been stolen or systems gone. I'm like, this is so stupid. Why do people do this? And my mom, she felt so bad the next morning. She runs out to like Rite Aid or something, picks up all these lame, terrible gifts because she just wanted her boys to have something. And I was so mad. She wait. She's already you know already tight, and she went and spent this money on stuff that neither of us can use. She bought me like shaving kit, and I, I couldn't even I couldn't even grow a whisker. So I was like, I was like, Mom, what are you doing? I was like, I got mad at her on Christmas, and I was like, and you know, but you know, she's. She was so sweet. She wanted to make sure she had something for us. And in that moment, I was like protective of her money and the situation. I didn't want her spending money. So it's like, it was very weird. You know, it kind of played out in our relationship a lot over the years where I kind of got more strict with how I was with money. It also made me more ambitious. I was like, I don't want to be in this, this yes. shit. I did not. I was like, I hate this. Because the other parallel was when I was out with my dad, you know, um, my my stepmother, she's done some acting. She's she did she had quite a career, um, and it's with my dad, and my mom, my stepmom, and just the the crew there with them. They're working with people, you know, big celebrities, big people, and it was very like my dad does private computer consulting for celebrities and things like that. So it's always been very like, hey, do you want to go with me to so and so's house? I'm like, how do you even know them? And he's like, oh yeah, this person called me, and this is her man. They said, you know, use me, and so I'm like, I'm sitting at these pool sides with like people that you want us hang out with, you know, my dad's got a lot of like NDAs and stuff. Like you can't talk about <laughs> Yeah. You can't so, say a damn word. Yeah, right. But like, I mean, it's, it was like very weird. I'm like, I'm in these multi-million dollar homes and I'm just like, how is it just so That's normal? A weird for ass dad? life, man. And I got to come back and I I'd get depressed every time I flew back to Detroit. So I'm like, I'm going to go get robbed. I, that was my thought. I was like, I'm going to go have pain and I'm going to see my mom struggle. And my dad, my dad's hard day is, Oh my God, Matt, like we couldn't get parking at Vons. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I, I just the other day, my dad gave me that same speech. He's giving me like, or like, you know, he tell like, what's, what, how was your day today, dad? And he goes, Oh man, we, we, we went to the, the doctor's office. Then we went to, to the grocery store and we had trouble getting parking. I'm like, if that's a part of your day, you're living a good life. Like, but meanwhile, my mom's like working, she's working like 55 hours a week still at Quicken and, you know, busting her tail in her sixties. And it's just such a bummer. Like, so always growing up with that, like hard work was never a problem with my mom. I definitely gained that from her. Definitely got that. I'm not afraid to work, but also for my dad, he got, you know, he was a business owner, you know, he was always into pretty interesting things. And that kind of got my mind spinning. And oddly enough, my uncle out there, he had me read uh, rich dad, poor dad when I was young. And it was very similar to my life. I was like, this is so weird. Like it was, it was like, not rich dad per se, but better off, you know, better off financially. Well, that's a huge and, dichotomy. Yeah. Right? Food stamps to yeah. partying yeah. with the stars while your dad's doing work. Like it was so weird. It was that's so a weird ass life, man. It was, man. 
You're like, wait a second. Am I this? Which which part is reality? Yeah. Like, is this is this great life over here reality, or is this hard, difficult life over here reality? That's a yeah. uh, that's weird, man. That's weird. It was weird, and it took a lot of massaging to figure out my issues that came from that. But you know, over overall, you know, it definitely gave me like I can walk into a room with anybody and be like all right we can connect we'll try and connect on something it doesn't like i never get like celebrity struck i don't care if you're you know if you got a dollar to your name or a million you know it does not change how i see you if you're a schmuck you're still a schmuck yeah <laughs> you're like i don't care rich people can be schmucks oh, too man. Yeah. it is it actually warms my heart when i see it's how many easy. character <laughs> flaws you can have as a human being yeah. and still be successful in totally. business like a lot of people think you have to be perfect yeah. to be successful no actually you could be an asshole and be successful you could be nice and be successful you could be miserable and be successful you can almost never get anything done and somehow still be successful depending if you're good enough in certain areas totally and then you go back and see your mom work her ass off all the time and none of it's working like what the fuck is going on here it's and- like a weird economic paradigm you're like this does not seem to match up with like what's happening. Yeah. So another fun, interesting factor was uh dad sides, Jewish mom sides, um, Catholic. And they were, I want to say my dad was a, like a, a heavy practicing. Uh, obviously Jew. not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, obviously is, is yeah. an understatement. Would have picked a different mom. Probably, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> probably, yeah. probably. But you know, mom was a devout Catholic and I ended up growing up playing drums for church. You know, that was, and I was in church like four or five days a week sometimes. And it was like, it was wild. But I also, you know, my, I was very close with my grandparents, very close. And, you know, I remember being, you know, at the dinner table saying grace. And it was very, very weird to me because my grandpa, my grandpa worked for Ford and, you know, he's, he was an incredible singer, opera level, you know, he was an MC. He was a bricklayer. He was a, he was a badass. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, divert to one story about my grandpa because he's, he's such a badass either. i want to hear it then he was uh i think have you heard my uh i were basically domesticated animals and our great-grandfathers would think we were like soft little fat pigs sitting in the sun like my grandpa i feel like we've let him down like in so many yeah. ways so that's why i love tough grandpa stories <laughs> so christmas eve like we played i played drums for the church that night and my grandma was the choir director now my mom's the choir director there at christ the king on grand river in detroit and uh my grandpa would typically like he'd go warm up the car for his bride. He'd, and he's the guy he, he always thought he was Zorro. He thought Zorro was the coolest thing. So he'd sign his love notes, Zorro. <laughs> um, he is, he was a cool man. Um, but he was also a Marine and you know, he, I think he won the silver gloves when he was back in his day. And, uh, he's sitting there warming up the car. He had this, this stupid habit of always like putting the car in drive while he's parked. And he, you know, just put his foot on the brake. And this guy comes to jack him. It's like midnight. He, we would do midnight mass. It was like just after midnight or something. This guy comes in, give me your, give me your fucking money. Give me your like grandpa's. My grandpa's an old, overweight guy, but he also goes to the gym. And he was he's probably he's in his seventies. Um, and this guy like leans into the car and he's like, give me your fucking money. And my grandpa's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he grabs him by like the jacket, pulls him in the car and just starts wailing him on him. Can you imagine pulling a man through a window in a seated position? Don't fuck with a Marine, even an old one, man. Uh, he, he wailed on this guy, opens up the side door, throws him out to the right. I don't even know how that my grandma's outside, like freaking out, like, cause she was just locking the church doors. Like Donald, Donald, don't I, kill him. So <laughs> the guy jumps back in to go at my grandpa. He's just wailing on the guy, throws him out the other door. And it's like, 
it was amazing because this guy was trying to jack him. And my grandpa's like, can you imagine being a 30-year-old idiot getting beat up by a senior citizen? I wouldn't tell anybody person? about no. it. No, I'd go home and be like, what happened? I fell off my bike. <laughs> yeah, right? Sad part was a few days later, he had a pretty major heart episode. It was a lot on him. But in in the sense of a pretty- – I bet he wouldn't have changed his mind, though. No, he wouldn't have. No. No, that, that man would not. No, he's he was strong in mind and soul and body. He was a tough guy. But, yeah, so – Family-wise, going back to the whole Catholic thing, my grandparents were like pretty much like a secondary pair of, of parents for me, and we they they'd work ungodly hours. That, was, that runs in my family, and they'd pray and they'd say, "Thank you so much for providing this meal, and so so much for allowing me to go to work today." And it was very weird to me, um, and I I'm I'm pro belief systems i think the culture i think the you know the sense of community is not even arguable i think it's beautiful um but for whatever reason it also sounded like a giving up of their effort and i'm like man no i always looked at my grandma like i don't know how you do it but you get up at four in the morning every day and you go kick ass and i also felt like you were it was so selfless maybe it was my ignorance but it was almost like i want you to appreciate what you did and i remember seeing as a kid thinking that like why is my grandpa not a, like why don't we appreciate you like what about you know free will what are like that was your decision to get up and go kick some ass today like I, and i would tell him sometimes like grandpa thank you for what you did and he goes no no thank god and i was like and i never understand that maybe it's going to be a while before i do but I still always found that very interesting. Meanwhile, my dad was very matter of fact. He was like, there may be a God, there may not be. I don't understand it, but just be a good dude. And just like, be a good dude. I was like, all right, cool. I can get down with that. That's Pascal's kind of, wager. Right? Yeah. Right. I, was like, I was like, all right, so be a good dude. I'll, I'll be a good dude. And, you know, things seem to work out. And our family's been, like, my McCall side's plagued with cancer. And, you know, they're, they fight, they fight, they fight. Dad's side is, you know, we had one cancer situation, but everybody's pretty damn healthy. So just that whole, these two universes, I'm like in the middle, like, all right, I just, I want to be healthy. I want to be successful. I don't, and I want to give back where I can. So that was a lot of the, the grown up. Sorry if we went crazy on that. No, side. I like it. Well, you cool. kind of got a little bit of a break and that I know U of D is pretty good. Yeah. Right. Like, so scholarship. Thank God. Yes. Right. So that's, I know what Carson McGuire, he's on the podcast before. If you want to go back and list, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who've come out of that school, went in poor, but came out like beasts. Like that school has put out Very some, some sharp, sharp people, some mm-hmm. stuff at the top, people at the top of their game from a lot of poor people, all classes though. So it's kind of a, you kind of a little bit of a break there too with that school. How many years you do there? I started in the academy, so uh, seventh grade to, to senior year. Dude, that's yeah. per- that's perfect. That was probably like, who knows? That might yeah. have saved your life right there. It probably did. I remember in third grade, I was in a public school in Detroit, and there were, you know, there's there we there was shots fired on our yeah, on that's our, a shit low, show. Like during yeah. lunch, and I was like recess. And my grand my it my uh my mom was just freaking out every day for me, and that's when she tried like hell to get me in private schools actually i was in private school in first second grade too but we tried going public but um it was a bad first year experience to say the least and that was one of many issues that occurred at that school which was really a bummer um i mean i remember my my friends pretty much growing up with me to third grader all but two are either dead or in jail yeah and you know, the other- I don't think people realize there's a life like this out there for people. Yeah, they they think it's just some 100%. terrible statistic. Yeah, 
and they don't actually realize what it means for the children and yeah. frankly the employees too and everybody yeah. going to that school no matter which side you're on i think we could all admit that's less than ideal right mm-hmm. and a lot of people have had to go through that shit you know it's not that's sad and i don't think they understand how formative that is too i mean it all takes one bad school for certain kids and that's I mean, look at that. You got friends already who didn't make it out, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's just like a cycle that goes down. It makes me mad. Is actually it what does, it does. Because, you know, not to sound lame, <laughs> not lame, but like, there, there, it's not, people say it's the education, it's, it's the experience, it's the getting out of what your known circle is that really causes that growth. And I'm, I'm so thankful I, I saw something besides Detroit. Yes. Cause I, I have no idea where I would end up. That could have been your whole world. It could have. And I, I had some friends that were very influential and terrible to me. And I didn't know the difference. No, you don't. I, like I, I remember getting beat up multiple times by my best friends. That's what I thought best friends did. And of course, after a while, I go, okay. Wait a second. I, maybe we're not friends. Shit. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, actually, one day, um, it was like three of my friends, they take turns beating me up together. It was like three, three on one. And one day, I beat the shit out of them. There I you beat, go. I beat them. I got so sick of it. Then their brothers came after me. That always the bad part. Fucking brothers. I know. Man. I was like, oh my God. So, yeah. It was a it was a very very weird world. I got my ass kicked by fourth graders when I was in first grade. I managed to hurt one of them, and then his sixth grade—I still lost, by the way. Then his sixth uh, grade brother came back, and because I gave him a bloody nose, even though I was on the it whooped my ass again. Yeah. It's like fuck. Oh my god! Man, How do I lose a worst. fight twice? I'm like man, Poor guy. Usually you only come back if you're like Kids he won, mean, dude. He won. <laughs> like I got in a yeah. lick, but I got my ass beat, and like, he come back and beat my ass again. I was like man, this fucking world's fucked up. <laughs> it is, man. It is. I could, I could go on a huge tangent just about that and what kids are going through these days, man. You wouldn't but, know it looking at me now, but I used to be a fast motherfucker. That was the way to get out. Really? Yeah, because in kindergarten, first grade, you get chased and beat up by the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. You just stand no that. chance. You just fucking sprint and try not Man. to get cornered. You know, <laughs> I, I there was there was no out sprinting my my class. Was, That's the downside <laughs> when somebody's faster. Yeah, it's the end. That's, I was uh, yeah. It was like the only sport we really had was was basketball, and they had to create a new string for me because I was so bad comparably. <laughs> I knew better to even mess around yeah. with that. So, what was it like going to? Because that's kind of a double life too, going to U of D, right? And you're living in a poor ass neighborhood. Mm-hmm fucking gunshots, theft, mm. all that. And then you're going to essentially a world-class educational, like, yeah, it was so many great people come out of there. So I got, it had I, to be weird too. I, I got my first white friend. Um, it was weird. It was like, I didn't even like, I didn't really know you could have white friends. <laughs> that That's how normal my world was though. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, apparently I had a bit of an accent and some people were like, why do you talk like that? And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And, sound normal and, to me. And, yeah. It will. Yeah. Back then I probably sounded a little different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> cause that's just, that was like, I had a lingo and that's, it's cause it was my norm. And you know, as I got there and I got made fun of, I was like, I guess I got to figure out how to talk different. So I started working on that in seventh grade. And like, I didn't know that was a big deal, but being finally in a melting pot of cultures versus just one really. And you know, I was always the odd man out. It was like, it was like, Oh, it's kind of a weird balance. I actually didn't fit in very well. Um, I felt like it was tough. My best friend to this day, Matt, uh, also Matt, um, we, he's a dynamic investment partner. Um, just a solid guy. Um, that's when I met him and we kind of just, he kind of took me under his wing and in a way I, he didn't probably, he'll probably never think of it like that, but just to have a friend that actually saw me 
like kind of struggling with connecting with people. It was the first time I ever had a problem. Like I just was so out of my element. Kids were so smart. Kids were so fast and witty. I felt slow as molasses compared to these kids. And, you know, the, the education they must have had comparably. I was like, it was amazing. I mean, I remember, I remember just feeling stupid every yeah. day. Like, I just was like, how are you guys finishing your homework by four? Like, I was working till seven or eight every night. And I was like, I must be dumb as rocks. Cause you got pushed in the deep end. I did, man. Detroit I, public I, school. And oh, oh by the God, way, world class like, learning institution. Yeah. Jump on in. The water's fine. Shit. It, it was different, Help. man. It was different. And I, you know, I definitely had, you know, my mom tried me on ADD medicine and stuff because I definitely have. A little bit of that. I hated taking it though because it made me pretty angry. That's so not I, good. Yeah. I stopped, so I would I would fake take it because I I just got so angry when I would take it. Um, I like how you self diagnose yourself there. Like, wait a second, there's some side effects to this that aren't good, and yeah. I'm just gonna bail on it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, so I, I would spit it out later. And yeah. I think a lot of that ADD shit. I I have it for mm-hmm. sure. I just don't think schools are made for people like us. To sit down that long and not be kinetic. I'm with you, man. Yeah. Kinetic. I like that. Yes. It's a movement doing like you, there's only so much sitting, listening, writing Mm -hmm. you're going to do before you completely lose all focus and attention. People don't like. You have to interact with us. All the time. Pretty much. It's like a constant nonstop. I'd rather be doing, in fact, 30 seconds into something, I'm mad I'm not already doing it, right? And school is the polar opposite of that. And I think their response was, and some people definitely do better with the drugs, but I think it's a small percentage. Mm -hmm. just need different way of teaching kids. There's some girls that are like that too, but it's mostly boys. Just too much energy, you know? Do you watch sports? No. Neither do I. Yeah. I think that. I'd rather I'd rather participate than spectate. Yes, that's my thing. Yeah, and I'll watch that, some USV. That's about yeah. as far as I could go. I've I've worked to be a better sport spectator because it seems like the norm, and I'm like I'm working on being a normal dude. <laughs> <I'm> just not. <laughs> it's normal. a little. Yeah. I watch the big games, but I can't sit there and watch a whole season. I've even watched the Super Bowl in the last three or four years. Really? Normally well, this I last one was one, and I was really excited about it. But yeah, I hear you. I was one. I just wasn't born with the sports gene. I don't think. Like I liked it's wrestling. My, I like, yeah. That's what saved my life was after school activities in the library. Really? Otherwise, I mean, and not being exposed. Like I went to some terrible schools, mm-hmm. but we didn't have the crime Detroit had. So I was never. I was. I was exposed to the violence. Mm-hmm. But not the like crime aspect of it. I think that's right. the sad part about Detroit. It has everything else and this horrible crime element you also have to deal with. And that's kinda like the cherry on the top of the shit sandwich. Yeah. You know, like, Speak, speaking of that, my uh my goddaughter, she just had her first violent situation with the Renaissance. Oh yeah. Renaissance. Uh and it was some girl thought she was crushing on her her boyfriend or at some point grabbed her by her hair and just slammed her down and it's like you know like oh my was god up in arms over of course but it's just like it's like that's the kind of stuff that yeah. was it's still happening it's like a little i mean it, some things are way worse but it's just it's just crazy when you see like your people go through that but i didn't i didn't realize you had you know so many uh school situations beyond this area you know like you you were you were an army brat Navy brat. Navy brat. Yeah. Okay. Navy brat. So actually I didn't move to Detroit till 2007. Mm-hmm. Although I do consider myself a Detroiter and I know people wouldn't agree, but I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life. You know, I, I think Detroiters, it, I think it's, it's so heavily skewed what a Detroiter is. Yeah. I, you can live there and 
you could have grown up there and not be a Detroit. You could yep. move there right now and be more of a Detroit than anybody. But like the Lipples, like they joke they've been up there since the fifties yeah. and they're still considered the new people. Yeah. Which is just fucking hilarious up in the UP. Yeah, so yeah. your family could be up there in the forties and fifties and they're like, Yeah, you're still young here. You know, your family's still young. Yeah. Detroit's a little bit like that. Yeah. Like, if you, if you, I you, live, that. you weren't born here, get the hell out of here. You know, your family doesn't go back four or five generations. I don't know. I've lived here since I was, well, it's been 14 years now. Mm-hmm. This is the longest, next longest place I ever lived was six years. So yeah. where the fuck am I from? That's a Detroiter in my book. Yeah. Like, this is where if, I've If lived. you eat, sleep, breathe Detroit, and I don't know many real estate agents that do what you do. And I live in Detroit and always I have. Know. Yeah. 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 Never lived outside of Detroit. So yeah. I was like, I don't know what makes you a Detroiter, you know? For, Seven, eight years, I only did business in Detroit. I've obviously mm-hmm. changed that now. Yeah. I'm still pretty heavy Detroit, like 60, yeah. 40, 60 Detroit, 40% suburbs. It's a strong majority still. That's yeah. like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty fucking Detroit, I think, at this point. And I've had- and who like, cares? Anyway. The like, last four or five years, people are like, yeah, you've been in Detroit too long because you sound like you've been in Detroit. I'm like, well, what the fuck? I've been here forever. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah, my music changed. Everything changed. I've been immersed in this culture now for 14 fucking years. Yeah, of course I've changed. Yeah. Uh, I Totally. How else do you, I've become part of at least some small part of the culture too. And I'm surrounded by it. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I was, I brought you up recently and I was like, yeah, I got this thing coming up and doing a podcast with Jeremy Burgess. Like who the hell is that? I'm like, it's a pretty cool guy. He's been doing real estate for a while and he's got a group called Renegade. Oh, the Renegade guy. Yeah. Some people don't know your name. They just know you're the renegade. That's guy. fine. That's I said perfect. renegade yeah. and it was instant. Like, oh, renegades. Yeah, renegade Detroit investors. You want to talk about, I've had a few brilliant moments in my life. They're mm-hmm. few and far between. Most of it's just hard work and learning from experiences. But when we came, it was Windy City Roundtable Detroit. Mm-hmm. And it was with my ex-partner. And he was- The one, he who shall not be, be named. named. right? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I hate all these other groups and we need a name- that reflects that this is different than everything else. And everybody fought me on it. And I finally just sat down and look, it's going to be a renegade Detroit investors or it's going to be nothing. Well, that's exactly why it's yours. It's your brand. And I knew I was right. Yeah. It took me a while to get the meeting format, right? Yeah. Like six years, seven years before I found a model that people actually wanted to come to mm-hmm. consistently. But I knew I got the branding right, right out of the gate. So I'm happy to hear that because I want to extend that to renegade realty group too. So it's not my name. So I the saw the agents your email. Feel yeah, I like that. Like, like, you know, it's not the Jeremy Burgess show, you know, like you're, you're part of this too. So that, that was part of what I was trying to do back then was to differentiate. So yeah, it's fine. As long as you Success. remember Renegades. Check Mark. <laughs> you don't have to remember it. Call me whatever you want. So long yeah. as you call me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The guy with the suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> American flag suspenders. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. sweet. Or the skulls. So where did your, I know you, you got a rich dad, poor dad book early and it's obvious you were entrepreneurial from a uh, from a young age right second grade selling grocery store 25 cent rings on the playground third grade selling toys to your neighbor sixth grade mowing lawns i feel like that used to be a male rite of passage yeah. was the lawn business and the mail like i oh, did totally. the same thing right yeah. like, that's a great but at some point you're like i'm definitely gonna be doing business stuff right but like where did the where did the real estate begin to kind of like take over your life because i mean you went to college and shit i mean you got you got some serious education too but and then and then pivot it's it's kind of a weird interesting weird way to go too so why don't you walk me through that sure um so it definitely dates back to uncle paul 
Um, there you go, California. Uncle Paul. Shout out, Uncle Paul in California. Yeah. Thank you. Much love. <laughs> you never um, know what's going to affect someone, do you? You don't. I have so Uncle many stories Paul, of that. It all starts with you. There, there's, um, there's a few people, and even in our group, that go, "Why'd you do it like that?" And I'm like, "Oh, you told me to do it like that." I said that. <laughs> you ever, those situations kill me. And they're like, "Damn, that was a great idea." I'm like, "Yeah, you could have done it. I took the thing you told me I should do. Your idea. And you I said I, it. and it's been like, oh, son of a bitch. I, I, those are my favorite moments. And there's one of one of my ex partners did that too with uh, another friend of his. And it's like just watching those moments where they go, "Wow, I had a good idea and I didn't execute." So. Not not to sound like a knock here, but um, my uncle Paul he got me into he had me play the cash flow quadrant game and all that stuff, and it was so fun. Like I was like, what an interesting don't buy what was it? What, do not do hickeys. What was it? The, basically the frivolous stuff. Don't buy big TVs. Don't buy this. I totally did, but like because that was kind of like growing up in Detroit, like big TV, great sound system. That was what you do, and it kind of like that was like almost, and a car. You made yeah, it car. Oh heck yeah! Like I big mean, flat school, screen TV. Psh, for sure. That's what I was doing. Car, nice stereo. All I like, wanted. That's it. What Get else your do you first need? subwoofer in high school was a big deal. <laughs> hey, what? Did you guys do custom build boxes? I had friends who were doing I all did. that shit, oh, too. Man. I, I went to Mickey crazy. Shore. <laughs> Shout out to Mickey Shore. <laughs> but uh, Uncle Paul got me into thinking about cash flow, real estate, passive income. And you know, he did a few cool things with you know passive income. He did some MLMs. Some of them were very successful for him, but some not. But it's funny. It literally came up like I if not this last summer, the summer before, Uncle Paul, I mean, I'm out in California with my family and we're having breakfast. And he goes, "How? Did, why did you get in real estate? And I go, you. Yeah, it's hilarious. He asked and you that question. He's like, what? He didn't even remember. No, I was like 25 years ago. You had me reading this stuff. And he goes, oh, ain't that something. I should get a commission. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I, trust me, I'm happy to. Oh, my God. But Uncle Paul gets 0.2% right, of all the no, All right, no. All right, happy, happy to help him out. Um, but it's funny, like, you know, as I got into high school and college, you know, being around some very, like some of the kids' parents, I mean, like when you go to prom and some of the kids are bringing Vipers and Corvettes to prom, I'm like, what the hell am it's I like an alternate universe? I'm like, I, I brought, I had, thank God my Grammy, Rachel on my dad's side, when she passed, she left me enough to get a car. And so I got my first car, I got a used Ford Mustang, three color Mustang. It was like Bumper was a different color. Finder was a different color, but it was my Mustang. And I'm like, this is cool. I got a Mustang. And then my buddy pulls up in a brand new Viper and for prom, like, wow, that's, that's what your family is living like. That's crazy. The idea of that much wealth and like that being that casual for some people was blowing my mind. The more I worked, like I was around the, my peers like that. Um, as I got into college, I had no damn direction. I started off in acting. Um, I started and I got, then I got into engineering. Um, and I ended up just saying, I'm just going to finish up with finance. And I ended up actually, um, getting two degrees in medical sciences and, uh, finance. And I didn't do really well in school. It was just school was tough for me. Tough, tough for you. It sounds, yeah. I did it because it was what my grandparents burnt into my head, my family, my mom, my dad burnt it. You know, I was like, Hey, this is, you go to college and you know, from your grandparents to your parents, college is the way to go. That was this age, not really. Unless you want to be a professional, a like you want to be a brain surgeon, yeah. you want to build bridges. Otherwise, yeah, it's looking pretty 
slim pickings, unfortunately. Well, totally. Like, you know, a lot of talk about how the trades are the way to go and, yep. you know, building a business is, you know, that's, that's what I swear by now. But yeah, Michigan's still 15 years behind on new starts because we don't have the labor. Really? Think about that. 15 years. It, we are half where we were. We've only made it halfway back to new starts where we were in 2006. And that's in 2020. So we were better off then? We were better off then. Wow. So we chased that last crash, chased off a significant amount of labor that we have not been able to recoup. So at least in Michigan, to your point, it's impactful. Bam. You're right. Wow. There's a shit ton of trades. When you're 15 years behind on new starts, which also, by the way, is why all your property is still going up in value a lot because we're not keeping up with even the people that we have and the inventory we have that's empty is not in the right fucking place. Mm. So whole swaths of Detroit you can go move into, but <laughs> that's real. And and not a lot yeah. of people interested in doing it. So yeah, we're to your point, we're way behind, man. It's like, it does make sense. And from that point of view, like, yeah, get some roofers out, get some framers out, some carpenters, some concrete, like, Hey, water's fine. Come on up to Michigan. I've joked a lot about, we should go down to go down to Texas and just grab a bunch of people, buy houses up here, put them up, like just incentivize them. Like, Hey, we'll pay you X, like whatever we got to do to get them up. Cause what do you, what's the problem with flips too? And all that, it's always comes down to labor. Take my money. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> can somebody come yeah, do this? Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. That's so funny, man. So you're not wrong there. Sorry to go off on a tangent. No, I, I, that's kind of what this show is about, right? And yeah, like, we do like talk, our tangents. Roll. <laughs> I think we are on college and re- still get yeah. back to more real estate. So in real estate, this is where, this is where it really started to take some, some traction. Um, I graduated, um, got, went to Chrysler. That was dreadful. Um, that was, I just hated that environment. And then Quicken, Quicken gave me a chance and I came in they're like, Hey Matt, um, you got accepted for a job. And as a junior underwriter, um, if you bust your ass and you can become in the next maybe four to five years, you can make full underwriting. You might be making six figures. And I said, you know, I was, I was a fraternity guy too. Um, and you know, I thought about pledging. It was pretty recent. And I was like, you know what, when I, if I bury my heart into this, what will happen? So I did. I, triple down I, I i went even after i passed every test i reread all the guidelines over and over again six months later i was promoted to a leader which was pretty much unheard of and i was making six figures my first year and it was like finally i saw where incredible effort and focus can be actually rewarding in a huge way massive action i mean i mean i went all out i literally took my same pledging philosophy as a, as a fraternity guy to that you know? you're talking about commitment to a goal oh heck yeah and being a hundred percent committed oh yeah i didn't have any to a goal to give. Yeah. i had nothing nothing i mean i was 70 75 hours a week for almost five years and it what sucked was the, high, the bigger the company grew and the, the further in leadership i got it gets a little dark and you're in a big private company that's growing beyond its its means sometimes and you know we could hardly keep up. So we're, we're work, 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 but man, boy, did we make some money, man. It was pretty awesome from that, that standpoint, but I was beat, man. I was exhausted. Had a chance to go to United, um, went to United. They swore the culture was great and it wasn't. And I got an offer to go to that cash advance, which is what you're going to love. But in, in that transition right before quick and United, one of my good friends, like I was a top 10 producer, at that company out of every, every like 
region. And my buddy Chad, shout out to Chad, Megalodon Capital. Let's go. Um, he uh, he was he was there. He's I mean he's just a quiet grinder. I mean that man, intent focus doesn't talk about it. He's just about it. And you you love this guy. I mean, he's an awesome dude. Um, him and a couple other people like my like ourselves. We just kept going, but Chad got into rental properties, and I go, "You're doing it!" Like, yeah, I got ten already. I'm like, "Fucking shout out to Chad!" Yeah, right. I was like, "You got?" I was like, "Man, I, I got ten already." I'm learning the the like. I grew up like largely liberal with my family. I consider myself a moderate at this point, but like my family was like, you know, you know, we should always pay our taxes. I'm like, yeah, we should pay pay our taxes, but how much? Like, how much is really fair? And you know, I had these arguments with you know friends growing up and like and, and i kind of you kind of do depending on where you grow up you get taught to like dislike certain things when it's not really even a fair assessment and my dad's side like i i knew some people with some stupid money i'm like wait how much taxes did you pay and of course they were probably made a, a massive amount but that doesn't mean it's i don't want to get into a fight over this but it doesn't mean it's appropriate the for one person to spend like, let's even call it a million dollars in taxes that I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, they don't deserve to pay more, but how much is more really valued, valuable, like reasonable. So it's interesting how they can protect their labor. Yeah. But because your labor is more profitable, all of a sudden it's a problem and your labor should be treated differently than labor. It's like, wait a second. Like I'm, yeah. And I'm actually doing things. It's not like uh, I'm creating things out of nothing here. Yeah. You know, like I'm providing a service and I'm getting compensated for that, that service. But for some reason, if I hit a certain benchmark, it becomes evil. And yeah. then like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like you, your labor you, is your labor. You, know? you had an, I remember there was like a Tommy Desmond, another one of your guest guys and a good, great guy, but broker, I believe. Um, you know, there's like a capitalism conversation that went hard with all of us at one point. A couple of you made some points that kind of was like, you know what? I can't contest that. <laughs> and I, and, but that's, that's some of us were willing to grow on that. Some of us already were where we were. And some of us were like, no, I'm putting my foot down whether I'm right or wrong. And, you know, but it was very interesting. So I think a lot of people in that group, in this group, you know, Metro Detroit Inve- Real Estate Investor Group and Renegade, you name it. Um, there's a lot of knowledge and there's a lot of people that need to like spend a little bit more time in the yep. books and understand the world. And that's okay. I was uh, one of those people. Yeah, I, How do you think I crashed I my am. company my yeah. first time. Yeah. I hadn't read a single economics book. Turns right. out that's a fucking problem, Matt. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. You should have I, some you, you idea and I about, talk economics. about economics and partners and decision-making. If you don't know, it's a real problem. You it know? Is, I have corrected that sense, obviously. But yeah, that was a rude awakening if you're not prepared for what it's really like, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of learning. Um, should, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, I keep no. derailing. No, no, that's cool, man. This. this train is really fun. No, you're talking about when you're at United and oh, he yeah. got ten properties. He, yeah. and he's like, I'm already up to ten. You're and like, so I, I finally started having some conversations with um, some builders and you know builders that were they were basically just flipping. They're taking like very distressed properties, you know, putting some money into them and turnkey renting them as property management. So it was it was smart. You know, it was very hands off, which was great for people with you know good money coming in and didn't know what to do. And I'm like, I'm looking at like. Um, I had a, I had a couple of really incredible years there. I'm like, I paid how much in taxes? I could have, I could have hired somebody to work for me. I could have paid somebody to like work with me and, and grow this in a bigger way. And I kept, that's when I started thinking, I was like, 
there's a benefit to owning your own business. I can't do, yes. I, I could do so much better at this role if I had a little bit more leeway. That's when I really started thinking. I was like, man, why? Like, I'm a great worker. I know I can, do, I can work well. Um, but like, what about this? And so I started thinking, like, how do I offset my, my tax basis? How do I create residual income? Cause 70 hours a week for another 10, 15 years, I'm going to die. I'm going to for sure die. I a hundred percent lost years of my life working that quick. And there's no, there's no question. Um, incredible stress, exhaustion, and the money was great, but that's about it. And when I got to United, finally got my license, um, bought my first rental with my buddy, uh, miles. Uh, we have M five property holdings. We've got more than a handful now. And I'm very, very happy. He's very happy. We have it. We're actually selling our first one right now. Um, but it was that transition that made me go, Oh, the first one scares the shit out of you. You know, you go, Oh my God, am I making the right decision? Oh, what if I'm wrong? Like, what if, what if, but you know what? Like, I got to say, it's pretty hard to screw up a rental unless you're just being ignorant. Yeah. Like, time heals all wounds. It really does. I mean, it's really hard. To, it's not sexy at all, but it's really the way to win. Yeah. Over time. It obviously. Is. It really, right? like, I, 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 I don't like stocks at all now. Like, I, do, I won't put any more money in. I had a 401k from Quicken and I let it stagnate like it's been for 10 years now. <laughs> and, but like rentals, man, I got nothing. I, I would bet everything on real estate. That's where my head is. You know, if you buy at the right price, you know, you know that saying, um, I used to never understand it until I got into it. Like you, your money is made on the purchase. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it until, until you get that, it's hard to really explain that because it just that you go, Oh yeah, I get it. And you walk away like, I still don't think I get it. But once you do it, then you really learn it. But yeah, doing that, um, my agent wasn't really as quick as I wanted him to be. So I was like, I'm shocker, my, shocker. Yeah, right? yeah. I got my license and the bar is fucking low over it, here. Folks. Oh my yeah. God. You, it, you could say that over again. Um, I just, I just said, how do you be a better agent? And that's the thing. Like, you know, how, like shout out to my original broker and one of my good friends from high school, Dave Bajoka, Bajoka property group. Um, he, he's the first. Uh, he's where I hung my first license and, you know, he showed me, you did not have to be a schmuck agent to be successful. You could be, you can know your craft, you can study. He's a lawyer too. So he's very sharp. Um, and you can really just walk people through a home, talk up. You don't have to sell. You tell them what's good and what's bad and let them decide for themselves. And just, I was like, what a crate. Cause the first person to show me a house, my first agent that was going to buy me my purse, my primary, which I still have. Um, self proclaimed, uh, he called himself basically the king of an area. <laughs> and I, 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 I was on alert that day. Yeah. <laughs> I was on alert. And you I can't did, proclaim yourself king. Everybody else has no, to proclaim you yeah, king. Somebody, That's the way it works. It was, it was yeah. not, a, not a good You should look. be worried whenever somebody's like, hey, wait a second. I'm the king. Yeah. Usurper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> right. But this, this agent, like, you know, I, I get stupid. It's my first property. I wasn't an agent at the time. And I get excited. I post pictures. I'm buying this house at my inspection. Dave, Dave Pajoka, he goes, dude, that, that foundation in the basement, I'm a little worried about it. Make sure we're like, you get that inspected, gets inspected. The guy goes, dude, this is about to cave in. Like, are you kidding? I go back to my agent and go, Hey, yo, like, what do you think of this? He's like, well, how long are you going to be here? I was like, well, what do you think of it? And he goes, well, how long are you going to be here? I was like, probably five, 10 years. He's like, Oh, that's a problem for, you know, whoever buys it in 15 years. And I was like, wrong answer. That's the wrong ass like, answer. I was like, do you know how much that was going to cost? But based on the quote, the inspector gave me, he's like, no, it was like 20 to 60,000. Now I know I could have done that way cheaper, by the way. But like in that moment, it was like, 
I felt like he was just trying to sell. Yes. And real agents don't have to sell. They inform, they educate, and they, they command trust and respect by doing that. This thing is not about money. Money is just how you keep score. If you're mm. doing it for money, you're That's not going to be like the king that. of anything. No. I promise you. No. Yeah. So Everybody I, can tell. Yeah, I know. So it was I, your first deal, and you could fucking tell. Exactly. That's... That should be a dead giveaway right there. Dead Whoever giveaway. you are, it's like change your ways, find Jesus. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, the person's a killer salesman. Um, he does very well on on the board, but yeah, with me, it would it just it was never going to fly. Dave showed me how an agent can be. Um, I got my broker license, and I asked, him, "You want to you want to keep doing this?" I started learning about wholesaling. Got together with Jeff. Jeff was awesome, by the way. Like, Jeff Lipple, by like, the way. Like I'm bringing about. back, you know the. He's, one thing I love about Jeff, Jeff was honest to a fault, um, and this was one thing that was super strong about him. He said, "I'm lazy," and I said, "I love that." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I know I'm lazy." Like, he, it wasn't that he was never willing to do the work. It was not that he knew he wanted to be lazy, but he knew he had to be smart enough to get it done in a, in a short period of time. He's not lazy at all. He exactly. Just recognizes his yeah. faults, and he's yeah. that's the best yeah. thing. You. That's like, exactly. The where thing am I great? Uh, that's all I'm going to focus on. Where yep. am I not great? I need partners and people to do it with. And he's not wrong. No. You know? and, and and I'll never forget this talk we had. We were like, we were pretty big thinkers. We still are. Um, and he got involved in the uh, the big deal he took up north, which is beautiful. And everybody should go visit Jeff Lippel. Um, Island View Resort. Shout out. IVR something number. Resort. Dot com. 90, 927. 927. Yeah. I almost remembered it, Jeff. Forgive me. Um, Island View Resort. If you Google it, it'll pop right yeah, up. Cool. Um, I'm basically trying to embed myself in this family. I love them so much. Well, they're easy to yeah, love. Yeah. Just dog, keep going up. I, I think if you're not a dog lover, you're hard to love. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a captain. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't even want to be a captain. Really? It was just some shit he was doing. I was like, I'll sign up for it and go up Let's there and do get it. somebody. I was like, I want to be in business with you, Jeff. Like, yeah. guess what, Gina? We're going to be boat captains now. <laughs> they're, they're a great couple. Christine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the whole family too. Yeah. Even Greg, you know, like, yeah, all, I think I met Greg once. Carrie, all that. It's just so much fun. They're great couple. Going, going back anyway. up there. Mm-hmm. Definitely not lazy, but he does appreciate a slower pace of life. Yeah. Which yeah. every time I go up north, I'm like, I see why. But that's also why I don't go that long. Yeah. We were talking about before the podcast, like seven days, maybe nine max. And then 10, I start questioning my life. I can't have that. <laughs> I hear you, man. I totally get that. When yeah. you finally do the let go thought, like, Ooh, this like, is oh, peaceful. Like, what am I, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Maybe I should just sell everything and fish every day. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> That's what I do. I wake up earlier Cast. when I'm on vacation and go up there and fish. That's, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. But yeah, no, Jeff, he's just salt of the earth kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. He's, he's so easy to get along with. I really appreciate that. And he, he really helped me warm up to wholesaling. He helped me do technically do my first, flip it was pretty much a whole tail um but Ooh, my you know, favorite connecting with sarah vannon he's great sarah vannon's a great guy easy to work with if you need lending money there that's a good guy to go to um and you know that kind of started my comfort in investments uh, my broker was not comfortable with me doing wholesale so that's why i left him and i started my own very common it is it really is and it's i think you know, as a broker, I was scared when I said I was going to let like some of my agents do it. I said, let me, I dove in, talked to like three different lawyers. How do we make this clean, legal, transparent? It's not that difficult to do. If you have, if you have ethics, (laughs) if you like, you know, some people try to do, you know, they won't disclose that A, they're not an agent. B, they don't disclose it. 
And if you're doing five more transactions, you need to be an agent. Yes. Um, Go back and listen to the first podcast I ever did yeah. with Alan Daniels, if you don't believe Alan Daniels, that. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason why I picked him for the first on the podcast. He's, He's the so guy smart. who convinced me to get my license. So Matt's not wrong either. Good to not be wrong. I mean, you could <laughs> you could still. I did it. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, mm-hmm. but you can still do a lot. But it, be, it would be behoove you to have it. I think. Oh, yeah. And Alan put together a great argument, legal and otherwise, why you why you should. What percentage of brokers do you think are just wouldn't do assignments whatsoever? It's got to be like in the nineties, consciously. Yeah, like they just don't even want to take on the risk. It doesn't matter so. if there's a way to do yeah. it correctly. They're just, why should I open myself to this there, weird There's a lot of fear, of and depending on what state you're in, it is 100% illegal. You know, it it it's arguable that it borders on a net listing, and I think and that is illegal, of course, in I think every state, but definitely Michigan. Um, and I think there's a way to do it where you, you can never, wholesaling is 100% illegal if you don't have any intent to actually buy it. If you have zero intent to actually buy it or take it down with your group, that's illegal. If you, if, if like, for instance, like there's, there's a few ways to pitch it. We know some of the big names, the big retail names have a, we'll buy your house if we can't sell oh, this yeah, one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wholesaling. And a lot of people go, how's you do that? That's pretty clever. You must have a lot of cash. <laughs> no. I'll no. write you a low ball cash offer that I'm yeah. perfectly acceptable, happy yeah. taking. Yeah. There's a lot of clever ways to market any yep. idea and that's fine. But, you know, before you get too deep in uh, wholesaling, I will just say like disclosure, being ethical like i one one guy in our group actually bummed the hell out of me one day when he told me he i mean he just took extreme advantage of a senior citizen and, and then probably bragged about it too that's yeah that's that's why i know about yeah. it i mean it was a six-figure takedown and you know the person was like oh it's my husband just died and it's all we have left and i just want to be able to live my life i'd like to make a little bit more than what i what we put into it and they bought it for 40 grand like 40 years ago and so it was like about 45 and sells it for 165, like 20 days later. I'm like, you could have given her another 20 grand, yeah. still made a six figure assignment and showed you made her life. I actually had a wholesale recently. It was, it was probably my, one of my proudest. Like, I, I love like the only reason I beat most people out that some of the big names with, uh, when I do a wholesale listing, I say, I assess their issue. I say, here are your options. Which one do you want? And by being just, they're like, you're not just forcing a low cash offer. I was like, no, man, here's an option. If you'll take a low cash offer, sure. I think it's super smart, especially when you're an agent. Yeah. I go so far as to say, hey, it's here's what you should do. Yeah. You should list and you should do these things. You need max dollars and you have and time. You should, and this is in your best financial interest. And mm-hmm. I always send this as an email too, even though I do it verbally. Because uh, it is. Why shouldn't I, I tell them that? But if you're interested in an all cash offer, which I don't think you should take, here's what I'm willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a weird way to get a deal done, but you'd be, that works really well. Cause then they go, they go, Oh yeah, I don't have time for that. Or I don't want to mess around with totally. that. Or, or I did one in Plymouth where I paid back a lender, a lot of money and it was a foreclosure situation. Mm-hmm. They already had the notice of default. I'm like, man, fuck it, write it out a redemption. You'll make 35, 45 more. This is what I'm going to do. And you should list it at, X price and all that, or you can take my lowball cash offer. I'm like, we'll take your lowball cash offer. And like, who the fuck would like? So I think people think if you can't do the right thing or you won't get it, well, you can absolutely lay out what their best, like, this is what you should do to maximize. And they will still take like, so it's not even like you're losing anything by no, doing it either. You're so, not. 
I, I, I've made people cry and hug me. Like this one lady, this this one of my favorite, this is one of the most recent favorite stories. This lady, she was in Madison Heights. Um, I go out there and I mean, it's, it was last Christmas and it was like five degrees out that day. And they have, they're all living in a bungalow in Madison Heights and it's, they've got blankets up over every doorway. They're all huddled in the middle of the living room, babies, you know, a couple teenage boys, um, between a, a, uh, a heater or just a plug in heater. And I'm like, you guys don't have any heat going? I'm like, no, we don't have water either. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, all right, well, let's walk the house real quick. I'm like, it's largely structurally sound. And I was like, this is a pretty solid little house. And I go, I already knew my range that I was going to shoot for. And as I keep walking this thing, I go, what, what do they even want for this thing? And so I go, hey, I think I have my number. Let me just ask you, what do you want for it? And they're like, well, um, it was, it was, it was already free and clear. It's just, they're losing it to taxes. And I go, well, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you need? Like, well, we want to be able to cover the taxes. Of course. So I said, no problem. I'll make sure those get paid. But what do you want? And they, well, we have a couple of credit card bills. If we got ahead of those, like maybe we'd have a chance. I was like, yeah. And I was like, that, let me ask you this. Like, how do we make sure this problem doesn't repeat? I'm going to be honest with you. You have a free and clear home. I, I don't know where you're going to go and how you're not going to repeat the cycle. I was like, how do we make sure you don't get in the situation That's a again? great question. And she was like, why do you care? I'm like, because I do. <laughs> it's because I do care. Because there's want... a whole family huddled around one yeah, heater I, in a right? room. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, look at this. I see a Something's little... obviously wrong. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to see. Like, I don't. I, me winning. Like, I, I can win here, period. I don't need to win a freaking Grand Slam. But I can win. But what else can I do to make this happen? I was like, do you need help finding a place? What can I do for you? Like, that'd be great. I'm like, okay. So what do you want? She's like, I don't know. We have probably 10, maybe 15 in credit card debt. I go, okay, so what do you want? She's like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, five. And I go, you want five grand for this house? She's like, I feel do 15. That'd be great. I go, higher. She goes, what? Higher. Higher. And and she goes, she's she's like, why would I go higher? I was like, go higher. I'm like, I'm almost yelling at her. (laughs) And she goes to 25. I goes like, higher. And I end up like, She's in tears, and then she's at like thirty-five. Go, I'm gonna give you forty-five thousand for this house. I'm still gonna have a win. We're gonna make sure you have that money. I'm gonna pay off all your credit card debt, and we're you're, you promise me you get into a better spot. Like I'm gonna help you find a place that's affordable. If we gotta get you a rental, we'll get you a rental. But I need you to be okay. I can't have this. I can't be. I, I my my conscience won't sit well if I if I take money and make money on any of this and you guys are still on the street in the middle of this this season like that just it, it broke my heart man well it's a cliche but if you're not creating win win situations and solving people's yeah. problems you're not going to get the wholesale deal anyway you so know? get this you, you know Ben Parr yeah good yeah. dude yeah good. actually not too long ago I realized he lived literally behind me find him as a buyer. Um, he buys it. Uh, we negotiate it. He goes over while it's under contract, fixes the the water, fixes the heater. That's get, the way to do it. Yep. And that's like within a week that they got working heat and water. And then we were able to negotiate for them to stay in that property and continue to live in a completely functional home. There you go. Because they, they didn't have the credit to go buy or anything. And he gave let them keep at a really low discounted rent rate. And, of course, they have the money now. They paid off their debt free. And it's like, it just worked out to be pretty beautiful, man. And it's like those situations, like I actually got two buyers off of that because she told her best friends about That's me. what I was going to say because, man, you get so many referrals when you do the right thing I too. Swear. It's all you got to do. 
It's, and I'm not saying lose money in your business. I'm yeah. not going to do a bad deal mm-hmm. to help somebody out. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can Same. do well yeah. and help people out totally. too. It's not mutually uh, exclusive. And in fact, if you want to do really well, that's what you're doing. You're solving the problems because obviously there, there was a breakdown in that family. Mm-hmm. They're all huddled around one heater with no water. Like it, you can't just show up here, do this, right. Solve their problem and they'll do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of power in your hands at that point in time to do the right thing. So, and think about this. If you're not already inclined to do the right thing, maybe I could just shame you into doing the right thing. You notice everybody have these cell phones with video on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to end Uh-oh. up on the walk of shame or what you, you know how people look at these things, you yeah. know? So even if you can't do the right thing for the right thing's sake, think about what's going to happen when somebody records you or finds out later what you did to somebody. And then that goes on the internet everywhere. That's been a game changer. You used to be able to hide in the masses. Mm-hmm. And now with the internet and video everywhere, no place to hide anymore. Yeah. You could be recorded at any time. Oh, totally. Yep. It, I've been telling my agents this too. I'm like, always presume there is some kind of surveillance. Yes. All hundred percent. If you, if you think you can go in there and trash talk somebody's house, especially if they hear it, they, a, they'll probably just, if you do make an offer, they'll probably just say, you know, piss off. But B, if you say something like terrible and they can use it against you in any way, I'm, they will, they will, they will. If they, they catch you. I mean, there's so many weirdos out there. Like people, like the, I've already heard the bra, the bra stories. Guys go in there for an open yep. house, grab the bras, and they're like, oh, that's so weird. Um, One of the times we were robbed, all of my wife's underwear and bras were stolen. Come on, yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing to get stolen. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say they sorry, weren't new. Okay. They weren't new. They were actually who steals that shit? <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. That was a weird ass thing that's that I stole. I can only imagine what like. That's mostly what I've sold as flip houses, not occupied houses. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had the stolen shit problem for yeah. the most part. But yeah, that's that's a little weird. That's the way to do it, man. <laughs> occupied is always tougher. Way harder. Mm-hmm. Way harder. So let's keep working down your your line. When did you become, decide to do the real estate agent thing? Because that's kind of different than the investing thing and the wholesaling thing. And I came about it in a roundabout way, too. Yeah. You do not have to be a real estate agent to be a real estate investor. But something pushed you even further, not just to agent, but to broker, right? Yes. So the agent thing came when I felt like I wasn't getting the response I needed to continue to be a great investor, which I'm sure a lot of our friends have all had that feeling. Um, And working with Dave showed me, you can do it different. You don't have to be the schmuck. And I can't help but use that word because it's just, it is the schmuck that I cannot stand. Um, And then as I kind of like realized I wasn't going to be able to stay with Dave because I wanted to do more investment level stuff and I wanted to do it clean and right. um, I went to another broker. I won't name this one, but this one was questionable in some ways. Once I found out some of the back end stuff that they were doing, I was like, all right, well, that's not going to work for me. Um, so I decided to get my broker license around then because I was like, I, I actually interviewed with, I think, 3DX, um, KW, I think a Remax, and the costs were really bumming me out. I'm like, what is up with you? Dave was pretty, he was very reasonable. It was like 10K cap. Um, I don't even think we had a transaction fee, maybe like a 50 buck thing, but I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, but as I kind of looked around, I'm like some of these places are outrageous and that I was very cost sensitive, I think because I was an investor. Um and I didn't really understand the value. And almost everywhere I went, I felt like I was like, not age-wise, but dinosaur mentality. 
Like it was like, what's going on here? Like everybody's kind of got like the, I got to be this way to be an agent. And I, I just didn't, I didn't find the culture fit that I wanted. I think that com- comes back to the whole quick in life. I liked a lot of the culture there. I really did. Like, I think a lot of people were very open-minded. You know, I worked directly with Dan Gilbert on a few things and like seeing that mindset in a room um, is very strong, but he also was the kind of guy I'd be happy wearing jeans to a multi-million dollar deal meeting. And I was like, that was so cool. I think when you have fuck you money, you do whatever you want, yeah. right? Oh, totally. <laughs> but just, just being like being around them. And like, even when I was at UWM at HBO, um, he was a suit guy. He was definitely a suit guy. But what I learned was attire doesn't necessarily command respect. Like, you could, it might throw somebody off. I do think it's good to dress nice. Like, I don't think you have to, I think like you don't look like a typical realtor. No, you don't. But that doesn't mean that you don't command attention and respect when you walk in a room and you, once you start talking like, Oh my God, who's this guy? That's what matters. Like, I don't care how you dress, how you look like, you know, if you, if you know what you're talking about and you can relay that in an effective way to your clients or, you know, affiliates, like, that's, that's, that's incredible. And that's what you do. That's, I don't know any group in Metro Detroit that does what yours does at Shields. And we're definitely weird. It's yeah. weird. It's huge. Yeah, it's, it's freaking crazy. huge. It's standing room only half the time. Every time I go, I'm like, oh my God, there's no seats. I need to get here early. It's so weird for me because I did so many years with fucking nobody there yeah. that I still sometimes Traction. pinch myself when I'm up there doing it because mm-hmm. it, it does, it's as weird on the other side. Because it doesn't seem like it, but for like seven years, it went nowhere. Yeah. It's like 35, 40 people One in the day room. Just... And I love those people. I'm not saying they ain't going, mm-hmm. but obviously I was not appealing to to the people I wanted to to come. So it, it does seem very strange to me. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, oh, it's working. It was like, yeah, where were you? Oh, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Where were you? It's like, you didn't see all the, the shitty years though, too. It still seems very strange. Yeah. I still feel, even as this agent thing, I can't believe how well it's, it's gone. I like pinch myself. I know I'm, you should be proud. I am. Even Tom Otterman's group is like one of my other favorites. Like I love that group. That's definitely my favorite. Though. Yeah. That's uh, like, a, it's like you go in that room, like, I've never gone to your event or times and I've been like, well, even when I'm exhausted, I'm like sometimes like, ah, like I don't want to do anything. I, I just, you know, call after call. I know when I get home, I have to do more paperwork and have to answer more questions, fix more contracts. But when I go, I go, that was awesome. I met some pretty cool people again. I heard some pretty cool stories and just like in anything real estate, if you think, if you think you're in real estate right now, you've accomplished everything. You are, you are the lying to yourself. You're in a small room going yeah. to a bigger yeah. room with you, more yeah. people. Yeah. I like calling Metro cheers for real estate investors where everybody yeah. knows your name. Yeah. I always feel like boom, I'm boom, yeah. boom. Like, oh, yeah. like, we finally all got together yeah, right? again. Cause we are a bunch of fucking loners in a certain aspect. I get it, that. Right. Like, yeah. But we collaborate too, but it's not like we're eating at each other's house every day or even no. once a week. Yeah. Most of us are, working it's our work it's our work culture environment yeah. it's it's our lunch break you know that's, I think that's a good way to put it yeah. yeah yeah and what do we want to talk about real estate of course yep. <laughs> oh my god you know like, i remember that running joke you see the meme pop up occasionally where they go like i go everywhere i go like i, I just always end up in real estate conversation it's like that's my life I mean, it's your life. That's what you do. That's what you talk about. And it's cool. And, you know, I, I talked about so much. I mean, my girlfriend got so pissed. She was like, Oh my God, I can't stand it. All these talks. Guess who's a realtor now? <laughs> Wore you down, baby. I know, right? 
I think he meant you're welcome. For that. Yeah, right. She was like, she, now, now she's involved. She's like, like, how do you do this? How do you like? She, she was writing a contract the other day, and she was like, like, you didn't show me this. You didn't teach this well enough. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Thank you. You're right. I'll I'll teach it better. I'm, I apologize. I will take this and note it. So it's good you could take criticism though that way. Got to. Yeah. You, oh my God. You know when you're when you're in any type of leadership role, the spotlight is always on you. Like good, bad, ugly. It's on you. So you got you got to keep your shit together. You can't be like, you can't be the guy out there pissing people off. There's no question. You do enough business, you're going to piss somebody off. It doesn't matter. You cannot win. You cannot win everything. You cannot make everybody happy. Sometimes you just you rub somebody wrong. I had a contractor thing with, you know, I won't get too far into that, but like, man, it went ugly, but you know what was cool? A lot of people in our group that were involved in that, they had my back and they went and handled some things for me, yeah. which I was like, which kind of goes to show like if you're doing the right thing with enough people well enough, people will stick up for you. It's also worth being social, even if you're introverted for that yeah. very reason, because I know it's super hard for some people to get out. We're extroverted people. We don't mind talking to people all day. We'll go to meetings where we don't know anybody and introduce mm-hmm. ourselves. But I know how scary that can be mm-hmm. to people. But he brought up an excellent point right here why you should, even if it feels scary, you will run into more people with similar values and then they start watching your back too. It is a small community. Mm-hmm. And that saved my ass more than once too. Heck yeah. Where you get the call, like, don't do it. Yeah. Like, okay. Or what would you do? And then they tell you what to do and you just go do it. Right. You know, like it's nice to be able to call those people when you get in those positions. Totally. And you have some backup. You're not just alone. Yeah. You're a lone ranger doing your own thing, but you know, you can call some other cowboys and then go take care of some rustlers. You know, one of those cowboys was Todd Chun. Good man. Damn good man. Another Marine too. Yep. Yep. I'm a big fan. I'll, I, Todd, I won't forget you. <laughs> he's on the podcast. That yeah. man gets some shit done too. Do you, oh man, he he's with that that great smirk with maybe his gum chew and hey, just doing some work today. Yep. Just, I just love that Todd Chun style. It's so fun. He's a beast too, man. He doesn't stop. No God, he makes me feel lazy. You know, like when you see certain people, like that, they're always on. And it's like even though you know you're like you, I get to the end of my day go. I can't believe how much I did. And I feel like I still don't have a whole lot to show for it sometimes, but I know like, you know what? You weren't lazy today. You weren't lazy. Sometimes you feel like it, but you see these other guys that just kind of almost inspire you. Just like I got to keep up with the, the Todd's and Jeremy's and Jeff's of the world, you know, whoever else is out there always working, always grinding. Like I respect that there is a balancing act and you have to, you have to go back on that teeter, you know, on your weekends, like yes. you were telling me how yeah. you, you shut down a little bit on the weekends and, I need to work on at least giving myself that one day now. I, I, I'm kind of worth it, on it. It's worth yeah. it. People will get upset at you. Yeah. Just deal with it. Yeah. Only I fo- I'll answer from very close friends and my agents, mm-hmm. but they also know email Kelly. Like I am your on the weekend. I'm your last call, but I will answer that call. I respect that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we've done, I don't, I don't want to, I want to help them if they're jammed up. Right. But oh, like, for sure. Oh, like oh, struggle yeah, first, go yeah. through the chain of command. And then if that doesn't work, reach out to me. You know, that's why we have a chain of command. <laughs> so. There's a fine line when you're in like leadership training roles where you want to help people, but you kind of need, like, I have new agents come on and go, why didn't you train me on all this yet? I'm like, okay, how about this? You've come in next week. I'll train you on all of this. They come in next week. I train them on all of that. Four weeks later, they finally have their first deal, and they go, "I need help." I'm like, Why do you need help? I trained you on all of that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I don't do it to be a, like a schmuck, but I do it to say, I, I like sometimes if I have the capacity, I'll train them because I don't want to make it easier when I'm actually ready. But I tell a lot of my agents, like, listen, 
you go make deals happen. I'll do all of your paperwork. It's easy for me. It's I don't even think about paperwork anymore. Like it's just done. I just do it. And I was like, when you're ready, I'll do your paperwork. If your clients goes, oh well, I need it now. Like tell them, I promise you, 24 hour turnaround time. Promise you. And on top of that, I'll walk you through it. I'll go with your client. If your client's like, like if you feel awkward or uncomfortable about that, I just want you to tell your client, like my broker is going to actually do our paperwork. That's that's the backup I have. Like how. Who does that, right? Yep. That's so rare. That's like like a high level team lead like yourself. Like not necessarily that you're a paperwork guy because I know you mentioned you're like you Kelly negotiation guy, yeah, which I respect. And I, I've been yep. thinking about that lately too. I think. Well, what's gonna, your highest per value hour? Like you're a little different because you got a broker, right? But I have two. Mm-hmm. Negotiate and train, mm-hmm. and well, three prospect, right? Prospect, sure. negotiate, train. I am re like man. There's some things that the value comes so much later. Like, like, like as I mentioned, um, my content focus is huge this year. Um, Obviously, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, We're sitting out here are creating you sure? content. <laughs> I am surprised more people don't do it. It's as obvious to me as the fucking sun rising and setting every day. And it's still early, by the way, if you're listening. It's yeah. still early. You know why, though? People get nervous. I got just I want, like just to be honest with you, I got nervous when you're like, let's do it. I was like, oh my god, Jeremy, like I, that's like one of those guys I really respect. Like I was like, I've been around every walk of life, everything. And like and I'm like I'm nervous. I I've met like huge celebrities, you and nervous. you scare the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like like there's there's very few people in this world that I walk. I I'm sorry, you're, I, I, I I don't mean to be scary. No, um, like a good like because it shows I respect you. And I, I look up, I've looked up to you, your, your wholesale like series on, you're the only reason I downloaded SoundCloud. Yeah. I don't listen to anything on SoundCloud. Like I don't, I don't like the, the, the function of it, but I think your content is so good. It's worth downloading SoundCloud. So that's, that's a testament. This is, I'm not trying to like blow wind in your sales, but that's just, that's a, that's my fact that I want to share with you. And well, thank you. Of course. Thank you. You know, like. Even when I, when I was new to this world and I was hearing about what you were doing, it was like very un, unorthodox. And even when we had our talk before, right before we decided to do this podcast together, you know, we were talking about the journeyman element. We were talking about the the big f you you want to throw up to all the damn gurus because I'm pretty anti guru myself. Yes, um, I the do. bad ones, which is ninety yeah. percent. I'm right. not throwing the ten percent. Uh, I've even had a few of the good ones on the yeah. podcast, but I always like to differentiate now because like all of them. It's no, fair. of course not. Fucking all of them. I, I've got one yeah. one that you know he's, they're good ones. Yeah, there are some really good ones. One guy I, I went to. He's he's he won't ever call himself a guru, but he totally could. But he's freaking. I mean, he's fire the guy is fire yeah know? there are I, some legit <laughs> ones out there yeah and then of course there's the slime balls mm-hmm. yeah that's why i put that wholesale one out because they're the flipping and the wholesaling is definitely the trashiest part of the industry right what's, the, what's that guy's name um the guy the commercial the radio commercials he's got a unique name oh uh, which one uh, there's so many our, now i feel like lands or something i don't know what's the guy's name oh uh, my favorite though is i've done three wholesale deals by my book it's like man fuck Three is nothing. Like mm-hmm. six is nothing. Than, is that Than Merrill? Than Merrill's on there. There's another one too. The, Some people the guy with success. glasses. Yeah, it's actually. Yeah, they're guruy, but they're one of the. I wouldn't say the top ten percent, but close because mm-hmm. at least a lot of the people they hire have done it before. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of these organizations just hire salespeople, right? Who've never done it. So that's like, that's like another sin in and of itself. I think. 
Yeah. But that's exactly why I put it out there. I was like, here you go. It kind of makes me sad that more people don't listen to it, but I it's, know. It's so stupid. I know free you, you is wanna, a problem. You, so I actually, here, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So one of my close friends, I've been writing a book with him for over a year on like, it started off as a, as a training manual and it became, a, it was clearly a book. It was like, there's too many stories of why and how. And we're about a year and a half into But this. I love that, that they're stories. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, I think it, as long as we get our voices clean but after our first full edit which is coming very soon um but the talk is you know in, intermittently throughout our relationship um uh, he's an ann arbor agent he's awesome his name's luke luke tillotson he's the man um nothing but respect for this guy but occasionally the pitch may happen and i was like you know why aren't you with me you know like what 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 do i got to do like i'm I'm very much w- with all my all age i think i gave you that pitch too like yep. what what do i need to do to show you how much i want to kick some ass for you and a lot and that goes for a lot of you listen like i you tell me what you need if we can accomplish it we will do it but with luke this conversation came up recently and he goes i have a mental block and i go tell me tell me what the mental block is he goes he finally broke it down into a an analogy about phones and I go, okay, well tell me. And so he says like you offer, like I've, I've worked with you every week, every week we sit down, we write the way you talk, the way you handle your, your clients and your agents. Like it's like you're, you are the best phone out there, but you charge a quarter of the price. You're 75% cheaper. There has to be something wrong is what I think. There has to be, and in my head, there's something wrong with that. There, and I think that's what yours is. Yes. Somebody there's think, a problem. Because you're free, you're, you're, there's something wrong with yours. I don't, I don't know how to solve it, right? Now, obviously, the best answer is to put it out in the world for free and hope people find it and hope people use yeah. it, right? But there is something about being human where if it's free, we don't value it. Mm-hmm. And it's not an individual human problem. It's a it's a just a group human problem. Yeah. And I think it comes from resources. And like we just haven't caught up to the fact that digital life is not the same as a finite thing. Yeah. And we just struggle with infinite, I think, but yeah, it's a real ass problem, man. It's like free must be worthless. Ooh, $50,000 going to be super good. I you know, know exactly what you're talking about. There's some truth in it, Yeah, but that's obviously not true all the time. Right. Sometimes people put out good shit to undermine other people yeah. using my end right here. Yeah. I also care about you, but like, yeah, no, I definitely have an agenda. If, if, and I think that's what people don't, focus on and they don't investigate which i encourage people to do that yes like in especially for brokers yeah god damn people i can't tell you how many agents i've met who signed up with the first fucking person they talked to and then they find out they can't even do assignments or some shit like like oh i didn't know about like or interview several like talk to multiple people or the non-competes some of these new agents sign up with with you know they go. They're just blindly going through the the paperwork because they don't know better. They've never seen this kind of paperwork, and they sign a nine compete. I mean, you could argue your way out on a lot of those, but some of them get freaked out and they buy themselves out of the non compete, even though they were a zero producer. Yep. And I actually I just took on a, an agent who I actually used to work with over at. My, I never told you about the whole the whistleblowing thing. We're uh, getting there. I know. Right. Um, but I took her on. She's actually, she's my third person that was, I met at that company that came on as an agent, which has been just beautiful to me, but she had a leader. She joined a leader and she, like she had this leader. Um, everybody said, Oh man, this guy, he, he makes so much money. He's going to make you money, but you know, he's hard to trust. And, but it was funny to me as I, you know, I stopped, this, a weird I stopped sentence, her man. in her interview. I go, I go, hey, why 
why why didn't that raise enough eyebrows if people are saying He's trust hard is, to trust is yeah. an issue and, go, and she's like you know my it was i felt off and i'm like why would all these people still be here i'm like okay i kind of see that but that would definitely throw me off um long story short this person was coming into some money with her family and there was a pledge to buy x amount of properties with x amount of do- y amount of dollars and she went to her leader and said hey can you um, help me find these? And he said, absolutely. Let's just sign this contract. We'll be partners. Signs contract. You finance a hundred percent of the properties. I earn 30% of the equity and I find the property and I get the commission on the buy and sell of them. That's fucking crazy. That is manipulative. That is an abuse of power that per like I I've, I have, I, I was actually shown the contract. And I was like, I was like, I probably should take this to the board. Don't sign non-competes. Yeah. Just don't fucking do it. The worst thing you're going to do if you join a team is any of the contacts that you create with sources they provide, they're going to keep. Right. That should be the extent. Yeah. All right, folks. Anything more than that, red flag. There, there's a lot of red flag. Funny business out red there. Red flag. A lot of red flags. Also, yeah. if they're trying to cripple you. Mm-hmm meaning they're not teaching you the entire business, but you're really good at just answering the phone or making the phone calls, you're an employee. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to be, but realize... Compartmentalization. That's what you signed up for. Yeah. Right? So yeah. be just that's why you have to go interview multiple people. Talk to agents who have done it before, too. There's got to be somebody in your life or another investor or somebody. Go join it. Go join a RIA. Go to multiple... like. Get some more information in your life before you do that kind of shit. I'm not harping on you too hard, folks, but some of this is on you. Yeah. It creates reliance due to incompetence. Yes. And it it really injures you and it creates fear when the thought of leaving for something better. You know, it's like people who are in constantly bad relationships or situations. Like, I don't want to leave because this is my wet cardboard box I live in. This is my home. Why would I leave my wet cardboard box? This is I don't worry about it at all. Yeah. You can't you you can't do that. You gotta There are so many great options out there beyond mine. And it's like, if you just go and you meet the right people, they can be inspirational. Some are cheaper, some are not. And it's not always about that. It's about who you can connect with, the culture fit. It really does matter. You know, what is, you know, one thing that, that I think definitely sets us apart is I, I have a relentless pursuit of improvement. Like the first, like I, I it's my, my, gimmicky bs thing i say if you like us now you'll love us later it's kind of been it sounds so so lame but i swear to god i live by that no there's truth in that like i like if if you're only gonna get better seriously like right now we're um for my we actually just booked it i think yesterday um but we're gonna be hosting if not semi-annual um quarterly um movies we're renting out a whole movie theater and imagine or Troy. I think I think we ended up with MJR Troy, but over a hundred seats, and we're gonna just we're gonna give some ticket options to all these families because it's so hard to get out on the weekend with your kids. You know, if you got four or five kids, then that may that's a that's a that's an expensive date. It's like I if we can events. treat our past clients to a movie, like, I think that's really special. It's really fun. It's a great way. And of course, we absolutely intend to social proof it, but. I think that there's something really fun about that. Like when was the last time your broker said, Hey, I'm going to treat your clients here, Jeremy, you got 10 tickets. How do you want to do it? Like, and you know, if we're going to have to, people wrap. don't know what we're talking about. Cause they haven't done it no. before. I'm just going to break the terrible news to you. Most brokers think of you as a number mm-hmm. and you either produce or you don't. 
and maybe they'll take your phone call. Maybe they won't. So maybe, maybe they don't understand what we're talking about here. Like the other side of this dark, dirty picture where nothing really happens and it's a one way street and it doesn't consider the client or the agent much at all. And unfortunately that's a large chunk of the industry. So that's what he's talking about. You're like, what are you talking about? Cause maybe you have somebody good and you're like, that sounds great. Yeah. That's how mine is. That's rare. Mm -hmm. It's not a common thing. Awesome. It's very uncommon. They, all of my agents have my direct cell phone, not a cover, not a Gmail, not a, a forward. They have my cell phone number. All of them have like access to me, the brokers, um, the other top agents, and they can get questions answered. I mean, it's not necessarily always my favorite time, but I've, we've answered questions at midnight as early as 6 a.m. It's like it's pretty much a revolving clock, but we have so many people in our brokerage now, over 53 now. Sweet dude. And um, who... They've all had that pay it forward. They've had they've they've recouped the award rewards of being with good people. Now they pay it forward. So now if if you there's a there's a new agent that posts in our our group chat, they go, hey, I know how to do this. Maybe it's a super basic question. Three or four people answer it, and I I track which agents are answering yes. and I reward them because I am so proud of them and so thankful because it helps alleviate some of my stress. Well, you have to reward yeah. what you want more of. Exactly. People forget that. Not attaboy sometimes good enough Mm -hmm. and recognition is sometimes good enough, but it should be a complete package because those people I'm having that. I don't know if he's going to listen to it. Jay's been doing that. He's been stepping up. Jay Donovan, my first agent that I hired and I didn't tell him anything and like I'm rewarding him. I'm going at like he stepped. I didn't even ask like you got to reward initiative, especially when it's in. And culture and reward it in many ways as you possibly can because they're doing your work for you. And, and to all people like Jay, um, I call it leading without a title. You know, when you just say, I see some work that needs to get done. I'm people go, notice. They do, man. I think people think they don't notice. Yeah. Are you looking all the time? Yeah. I'm looking 100% yeah. of the time. You you are absolutely going to be noticed, especially when you do it without any aim of recognition. Mm-hmm. You are one hundred percent going to be noticed. It it changes everything, man. I got I'm not to be lame, not lame, but like I, I don't like to be like fruit fruit with my language. But I feel kind of blessed lately, and I don't usually. I'm pretty like careful about like teetering on certain words, but I do feel pretty blessed lately. I feel very lucky um, to have some of my core group. They just. I can't believe what they do for me and I can't wait to give that back to them. Like that's, it's incredibly gratifying. Like I, <laughs> another lame moment. I get like teary eyed more than I've ever gotten in my life because of how proud I am of what we're doing. And it's like to see what we've accomplished already and knowing like where we're going, it's, it gives me the good, the feel goods, you know? It's well, I'm going like, to do a little call out here on you though. Oh, here we go. I think you're going to like it. It might make you a little uncomfortable. Okay. Why haven't you started your own meeting and podcast? Excellent question. I appreciate the call. We did start a meeting. Um, it is. How did I miss a fucking meeting? What meeting is um, it? It's a first Monday. Uh, we just started. Our first one was last month. Our next one is in like a week and a half. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Fuck. I, I, I I'm half I called. Looked. The, yeah. I looked because no. like, man, because you got, there's no reason. That's kind of the direction you, cause you can I have, have a meeting. A hundred percent. And then you can have a podcast and then you can record it too. You obviously can talk. You have a lot of value to give. And then that would be a great lever for you, for your agents. You're adding value to your current agents, but you're also fishing for new agents and yeah. you're not going to get clients from it because look at all the time you created to 
create this great content and share it with people. I would love to see you do that. I'll, I'll make sure to, to uh, share a, we have a calendar of all our events coming up. Uh, we're taking, we're taking three. Did you reach out to Tom and get added to the Metro group? I need, I need to send that to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's then you'll go on that list too. Our, our next people. one, it, our series is called docs and drinks with WSR. Oh, um, I did fucking see that. How did I screw that up? Oh, Damn it. Dude. It's Hey, we're, we're on our second one. I just remember. I just remembered. <laughs> I seeing that we're doing, we're doing human um, error. <laughs> six, six. I don't know if I want to call them classes, but six event types, and we're going to do them twice a year. The first one was client interactions, um, kind of like from start to finish, before and after a transaction. Everything, like we tried to outline a lot, it was a lot to hit on, and we're going to probably tailor it back a little bit because it was, it was a long run. But we had drinks, we had some fun, um, had some appetizers on us, and it was it was great. A lot... I couldn't believe how late people stayed. They yeah. were like, like, and what about this? And what about, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like you guys actually are enjoying this. We had full, full room. We had like, it was our, for our first one was like 28 people. That's fucking great, um, dude. The next, the next one I'm expecting probably 40. Um, it's going to be pretty. That's a fair number of people, right? Out. People don't realize I, it took me years to get more than fucking 40 people in a room. Like that's pretty good right out of the gate. Dude, I feel so like you're on the 400 when I go to yours. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many people. It is pretty fucking crazy. It's definitely not 400. Last time though, it was 215, which is the most we've ever had. It that's was insane. Ridiculous. We've only had three meetings like that though. Thank God. Cause that room, even with the new speakers, it was untenable. Dude, untenable. no. In most of the time, by the way, don't get too freaked out, folks. Most of the time, we're between like one thirty and one sixty, and it's a reasonable number of people to be in a room with. So don't be terrified. Yeah, and don't not come out. It's only and, occasionally it's crazy. <laughs> and a lot of those people are, are really chill. You're not like getting like blasted in the face by a bunch of stuff. And I think a lot of people have have tailored. It, it evolves, right? You know, some people go, okay, I don't need to say everything up here. And something, and after you see enough people go up, you go, how do I not lose everybody's attention? Yes. If Some people you aren't don't learn, asking though. that question. You are you are probably going to lose. So that's you, what I love yeah. about my meeting. I'll let you do it though. Yeah. Like, so I think you get up and make a fool of yourself, or you can turn the whole room around. I'll let you do both. I think know? it was Todd and maybe a couple other people actually come up with a sign. Yes. And just to kind of differentiate themselves, easier to see, easier to read. And I think that's brilliant. You, you definitely need to take those little opportunities to set yourself apart, which you know, all it took was you wrote it on the back of a piece of paper, and that's all. Like it was probably cardboard or something, something nicer. Really nice, an Amazon box or something, <laughs> but it works. And then, uh, all right, so you do have a meeting. I do, and the next one, our next one, did is you actually, record it, dude? It died halfway. I yeah, had it. I had a Jayberg. So <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, um, I'll help you out. I have the partly podcast. recorded. I, I'm thinking about still putting it up, but it was like I was like, uh, we'll see. So you, well, I'll help you record audio separately. Mm-hmm. I'll hook you up after the podcast. So at least you can have audio because mm-hmm. audio fucks up a lot less than video. That's that and then sense. have, I'm only shooting with one video now. I should have two going, but I was a little late today. I have um, some video talk for you. Shoot two. Right? Yeah. Shoot two. Uh, Cause I fucked that up too. Right. Yeah. And if you could get a little help, you can go with one if one person's babysitting it, right? Yeah. But if you record the audio too, because fuck, I can't tell you twice. We were talking about before the podcast where once I was able to recover it and we were able to redo it. And then the other time was some of the best 15 minutes gone forever. Makes you sad on the inside. When oh, you're like, yeah. Oh, I lost it. Oh, God. Yeah. But I, if you don't fuck it up, you don't have the system for the next time either. <laughs> that's exactly where we're at. And we, we learned our lesson on that last one. I, I got Abby and Ethan there, my, my core group. John now too. Is this um, open to anybody or this is open invite? Yeah. Right, I'll I come do, to the next one. I'd love to have you. I'll come. Hey, so our next topic um is negotiations, contingencies, and legal. 
Um, we have a lawyer, Andy Hubs. Uh, uh, he's going to be coming. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's awesome. Yeah. Such a well good loved guy. in the Metro group too. Lots of like yeah, reasonable. He actually follows through. That's uh, value too. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan. Andy Hubs for president. There you go. <laughs> if he wants that, <laughs> he's uh, like, no, I'll just be a like, lawyer. <laughs> I know. He's like, I'm just gonna me and my wife are gonna run our practice and that's it. So you know, big fan of him. Um, and I think you know, one thing I just sent out. We, we we've been doing a much better job of we call it the retention element of brokerage. We're like. We hit, we have email, we have phones, we have, you know, uh, text blasts that we do. We, we ask, what do you want to see at the next thing? Well, how can we improve? We're always asking for improvement. And, you know, this one, they're like, I don't know what questions to ask. And I was like, so making that, some progress. Yeah. I was like, hey, that's okay. We got a lot of new blood. We got some old blood too. And some of them are kicking butt. Some are, the new ones are kicking butt. But for this next one, I actually did, I posted in uh, Metro Detroit recently. Uh, I think one person made a comment, you know, the curiosity. I said, hey, what are you looking for in terms of understanding negotiations, contingencies, legal speak? Um, and are there any other lawyers or attorneys that might want to join us for our next docs and drinks? And I, th- I can't remember the gentleman's name. I think it was Jared. It started with a J, I think. But uh, he was talking about how one thing he learned the hard way was um, not eager. What is that word? Um when like DTE has, I'm blanking on this word. Uh, easement, easement, yeah. yeah. I'm like, e, I'm like, e, e. What's that e word? Not encroachment, <laughs> but yeah, easements. Understanding easements, you know. There's from gas, you know, any any of your companies. Even if you have some kind of easement of a driveway, things like that. I think that that's a good thing to bring up, and a lot of that is in your basic training, like when you're, oh in your course when you're getting your license. But I think there's certain scenarios we can bring up. And if we have very specific questions, we get to it. I think a lot of people, I know, you know, this, they butcher, I mean, butcher when they write in their own terms for like post-close occupancy. Yes. Um, contingencies on sale of another property. Um, you, you know, the addendum for in, in GMAR, the 2472 hour addendum. Do you know that one? No, I don't it's, use any GMAR addendums. Well, for it's that. usually done wrong. Yep. Um, that actually, that addendum, um, that's a board for people listening. They, yeah. they don't realize what we're talking it's, to. Yeah. It's very, um, seldom done properly. Let's just put it like that. I'm not a lawyer. Well, if you have a good broker too, yeah. don't like, what are you paying for? Run it. But if you're uncertain in your addendum or how to word something, this is like, should be a red flag too. If you don't get help doing this stuff, because if you don't know how to write an addendum, yeah. get some fucking help. Well, one of my cousins, she, I think she's been at Coldwell Banker, um, for like 20 years and then she capper every year for 20 years. Can you imagine, you know how much money that is? That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for, do you know, her, some places still don't have caps. I'm like, how the fuck do you even exist anymore? I, Reinhardt. Um, a few others. I've taken a couple from Reinhardt. It's like, um, my God, how do you not have a cap? You're definitely not going to get any sort of high producer, right? Like, you know, but and and this goes back to that valuation. Like I'm, so we offer, we started offering, a lifetime cap, which was kind of unheard of. I looked at it. I was trying to find any version of this and, and here's why it was a, it was a pattern disrupt and we, we, we would totally acknowledge and do it still to this day. But I had some people say, why would it come to you? You only have a $5,000 cap. I don't now I don't have a real goal. I go, what do you mean? You don't have a goal. They go, I have to be, I need a $20,000 cap to have a goal. Once I hit it, then I know I did well. I was like, you're just hitting it like I don't know, like four times as fast. Yeah, so, uh, like, that doesn't but, seem like a real problem, but I guess it is. So I pitched this. I said, "How about this? Um, how about I charge you twenty thousand for your first two years?" They go, 
oh, now we're talking. I go, what the hell? What the hell? Not, now I wasn't doing that to be a schmuck. Was Solving his problem. My lifetime cap, it, I think the first year we did 40000 over two or three years. Once you pay that, you don't have a cap with us ever again for the rest of your history with us. And for whatever reason, now he was up, open to talking. It was a pattern disruptor. And I was like, wow, that... That meant that completely changed how you I've perceive never thought of a cap that way either. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not in broker situations where I'm having to like right. deal with these conversations. Yeah. And, not- and don't get me wrong. We have a monthly. We have a very competitive monthly. So we have like a lot of ways. We have a pay up front method where it's a 20% discount. So we, to me, it's about it's not about being so cheap. It's like we already found out how to be sustainable. Now, we're going to continue to grow that. And we're growing at a great rate. We have the funds to put on some pretty cool freaking events now and you know it's been awesome but i want people to understand like like to my buddy luke and all the other similar luke's out there um when it comes to having a cheap upfront cost you know think about your spouse you didn't marry them because they're expensive you're not with them because they're expensive they did something so good for you and you just wanted to stay with it for whatever reason that was maybe they didn't make that much money maybe they did maybe that's why you're with them maybe that's why you love it but for me, it's like I want to show people a side of being a broker that's so genuine and so re- like reasonable and willing to really give back to you in a big way. I want you to know that your broker knows your name, that you can call your broker. And I feel like by just applying a completely different mindset and culture in this brokerage, I feel like that's going to be what keeps us alive for a lot longer than the the normal brokerages out there. The state of real estate and commissions and how everything works these days is it's kind of volatile and to make that less volatile take like rather than being another government tax rate on the, the six figure earners, the hundred K earners that are already paying, you know, 25, 30% of their taxes. And then uh, their brokers taking another 16 to 21, depending on where you're at, like you're netting 50 K on six figure effort. Like that's not cool. Like that's not cool. Like if, if you make 95 with us on your hundred K gross and then you go ahead and you pay uncle Sam, like, cool. It wasn't me that took a big chunk. We took a little bit. That's it. Well, there's something implicit in there too. You're kind of walking around. I'll put my finger on it more uh, Ow. explicitly. <laughs> no, no. Cause yeah. I don't think people consider their goals very much when they're picking a broker. hundred percent. They're just like, I'm going to get my real estate license and I need a broker. Mm-hmm. And broker is where you hang your license, right? And that's Check, exactly it's like going book. to the dry yeah. cleaner or going to 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 Starbucks. They they think of it in such a I almost hate to say it, but like a cheap way. And some of this is broker's yeah. fault, right? Like they've totally. created this too. So mm-hmm. I mean, I get, but like consider what your goals are and what you want to accomplish, and then go in and speak to someone and be like, hey, can you do these things or like the wholesaling aspect? That's why I want to have you on the podcast too. Besides everything else you've done, is you have an interesting mix over there. There's not very many places to go for people who are investors and agents. Cause if you know anything about assignments or subject to deals or anything creative whatsoever, first you just weird and you're treated weirdly everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. But if that was your goal, it's so easy to end up in the wrong spot. Like you're almost guaranteed to end up in the wrong spot. If that's what you're looking that's to do true. in this industry, you're just going to, you're going to be in the wrong spot. Yeah. You don't think to ask the question and sure you can move. There's nothing wrong with changing when you've made the mistake for sure. If you made a mistake, move and change, but just ask some more questions. Like what are your goals? Mm -hmm. Then when you go in and sit down, I'm looking to do some investor stuff and some realtor stuff. And that's, 
you guys offer for for somebody who wants to, especially wants to do both and dabble a little and I, I think it makes sense i think it makes a lot of sense if you want to do both because you're going to be kept legal kept above board helped on both sides right because you go to your average broker could help you with the realtor stuff you'd be amazing how many don't know about assignments or any it's of this amazing. creative real estate whatsoever that's not serving you very well, regardless of how much it costs. So don't just look at the cost. Like, what are my goals? How do these goals line up with this brokerage? Mm-hmm. And then ask some some damn questions, right? I've referred lots of people over to you because they're like, and what about you. Keller Williams? And you're like, I don't know if that makes sense for you. Let me run the numbers by you, right? I think it makes sense in a very narrow, with certain people for a very narrow range, but kind of, I know you. I don't think you're going to be happy here because you're not going to use these things they're providing for you. But guess what? You still have to pay for them, whether you use them or not. And yeah, yeah, that's, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for the vast majority of people, you know, where if they had a place to go where they could do both, I think they would be more successful or happier. Um, I think a regular agent would be happier there too. But like this, it's an interesting niche you got there for like the investor I love investor realtors. They're, I, I don't know the, why the there's not more ones. of them. They, you know, they, I swear when they are the better ones. I love them. Yeah, they know I, both sides yeah. of it. Like, and if you want to learn in an environment like that too, I mean, maybe you hadn't thought about it. You just heard right now. I kind of look at it as opportunities too. Like, where are you trying to go? What opportunities you're trying to achieve? The more opportunities you have, it seems like that's good, right? Because mm-hmm. you're looking to expand your opportunity. So. Maybe you've just been an agent and you haven't ever thought of the investment side. Well, if you're sitting somewhere where nobody does anything, get in a room where people are, you know, like, oh my God, look at all the people that helped him in his life. His uncle gets him involved, you know, and his uh, a friend is like, I'm already up to 10 houses. Like you got to change the group of people you're with sometimes before you realize this is the part that was implicit, change your group of people before you realize the opportunities you have and you might change your fucking mind. Yeah. You might go, I should get these rental properties. Next thing you know, you're a fucking broker, right? Like, how did that happen? Well, took a few people, there's a few turns. So I think it's, let's talk about like some of the agents you have, investor, a don't, don't mention, don't call anybody out by name, right? But I'm trying to illustrate the point of the diversity of the people you have at your brokerage who are investor agents and kind of what you do for them. Let's let, let's make that part really explicit right now so people can, Begin thinking about it. You yeah. know, I think for a lot of people, this would make sense. It would make a lot more sense than a lot of other places. Um, I'll want to start. No names, huh? Um, well, you can if you want to. I just okay. didn't want you to feel like you had to call them out. You no, know? no, yeah. yeah. They would appreciate it. Give them a shout out. Well, I can cool tell you, um, you know, one of, one of the first ones that comes to mind is uh, Huma Khan. Hell she yeah. came over. Um, She's savage. She is. She's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Underestimate her at your own peril. Yeah. Yeah. Stay <laughs> you protected. saw her. You know exactly what yeah. I'm talking no, about. She's, she's sharp, man. She's a, I think she, she's got her MBA, uh, recently married. Um, so hands off, boys. <laughs> but she's, um, she's the type of person that just she sees value. She executes. And I think when you hear a conversation with her regarding investing, you go, wow, that's a sharp lady. And I think, um, I think that that's what really sets her apart. I think she's done some investing with a, a handful of people in the group, um, more probably more than a handful. Uh, yeah, probably dozens at this dozens, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 
you know, she's very good about that. She goes for what she wants. She's built I, I, her own portfolio. I think she's got some, some other partners in that too, which all of them seem happy. I think that's been very interesting. Um, one of my favorites is probably Mike Hibbs. I love that guy, man. Um, he is, he's, he's like captain baseball, man. He just, ba- he just meet this guy. He's just Mr. Baseball. And he moved down to Texas. His wife's been moving across the country and she's coming back right now, actually. But, um, last year he was actually our number one referral agent. Um, I mean, he hit his cap a few fold over just on referring from Texas and, you know, he's done, he was doing rentals. He did a couple of flips and he's just that kind of guy, but you know, retail happens, you know, there's what we started off as in terms of investment is probably almost like 40% investors, investor agents. It's probably like, probably like eh, 20% right now. But, you know, we do a lot of them end up doing retail and a lot of them are glad they got their license. Yes. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I'm not like, with you, but I was never going to be an agent. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I, isn't that funny? It is hilarious. It is fuck. That's if you irony helps me a lot. Like I could go a long way on irony. Right. I'm with Christopher Hitchens on that. You yeah. Know? Irony does a lot for me. So, yeah, it's not lost on me. But, yeah, a lot of people haven't considered it. Mm-hmm. You could be throwing, it sounds silly, but you'd be surprised how many people buying and selling in your life, non-real estate investor related, or even investors, if you want to do that thing, it's a lot of money to leave on the table if you're already interested in yeah. it, and you might fucking like it. It's hey, a great business. It really is. Let's talk about one of the stupidest things most retail agents do. They go, I'm not going to do that $50,000 investor buy. Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. How many times that turned into like six houses or a couple $300,000 yep. purchases? I'm like... If you if you are missing like those opportunities, I tell them to go go to Tom's, go to Jeremy's. Like, say I want to like I have a couple like agents that are phenomenally gun ho. They I don't even want to tell you their names because you'll take them from me. You talk about a journeyman. Oh my god! I mean, these people like I remember one of them came. I over, wouldn't poach. Right, right. Not, uh, yeah, cause, well, because if you I, poach, I, really, it's a lack of commitment. It it is it, you know it's kind of like when people are like oh like when you get mad at your your girl for cheating on you go you go get mad and at you her. go cheat no yeah. like you, why would you do that like yeah or you get mad at the guy rather yeah it's you're like, wrong like, no it's your wrong girl, person you, yeah, yeah wrong he was he was affiliated sure but if you can't tell we're interested in committed people yeah right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I guess this guy John um he came he was with a he was with his relative who was a broker. And got no support, came over here. I mean, he's tell you know, I, I spent time with the, took him out to lunch the other day and he was like, man, he was like, I just still can't believe what's changed for me in the last few months. I've got, I went from zero deals ever to like four or five and more in the pipe. And he's like, just being around the right mindsets change everything. People that, you know, people that can say yes or say, I'm not sure, but let's figure it out. That changes everything. I know you're one of those people. Yes. That's why people go like people are like, oh, there's no equity. I'm like, is there? Is there no equity? You think you can't sell it now? Like, let's have another conversation. And it just like it blows people's mind. Like when you find these ways that like are non-traditional and creative, but really they're not even it's not necessarily that you thought it up out of nowhere. Just that a lot of people don't know all these other unique methods to buying and selling real estate and how to get in and out of deals. And so it's like having that available to you having that knowledge resources is huge any agent who works in their bubble even if they are producing is is losing they're leaving so much just like you said yes out to your friends your family not letting them know like you could uh, just get your license just to refer i swear to god you can 
so let's say you didn't want to do any of the work. My guy made 40000 last year on just referrals. That's all he did. So you don't even have to want to do the business. You didn't do paperwork. And if you're already doing your investor stuff and they say no to your lowball cash offer, you could say, hey, let me hook you up with Matt. And he'll get you a full price. Bam. You got yourself a referral fee if you have a license. Now, there's some creative ways around it, but it's not smart. Way easier if you just get your fucking license. It is, man. And then you can get paid at the same time yeah. we're getting paid, which is a beautiful thing, by the way. So, And even when it comes to referrals, you're going to have a client that you probably know is going to be a challenge for you either because you're, you're too close in some way or you're just not vibing. Take the referral. Yeah. If you have 100% less headache and you're probably still going to make money on it. Take that. Like I, That's one thing I've learned. I had one of my best buddies... Um, I, you know, I was like, I was, I was like, I think this will work. And by the end, like, I mean, he said some things to me. I was like, man, if you, Ooh, Ooh, let's go. Let's go. I was like, I, I can't believe you said that to me. And, you know, I still, I said, I'm going to be professional cause I'm in, I'm wearing my professional hat. And at closing, I brought them what I do with my clients. I love, I, I'm, I don't spare expenses. I'll, I'll get them a cool gift because I love my clients. Like I usually end up being friends forever with all my clients. Um, I've, my, my, one of my, my annoying mottos in the office, I'm like, if you're going to assign somebody out with a 30 year mortgage, you better be friends with them for 30 years too. Yes. And so, you know, that kind of mentality changes how you approach your clients, I believe. And so I told, uh, we had this big blowout, uh, at closing, I hooked them up six months later. I got my apology. Now we're, we're buddies again, but it's like, to some degree, I would have taken a hit on that commission just to not have gone through that because it was it was bummer. It was a bummer. But like you, no matter how close you are, how sure you are, some things are going to go. Like sometimes, if if it's going away, maybe just have that conversation. Just say, hey, are we going to be all right here? And truthfully, in that situation, we both would have said we did say yes, but it didn't really change. So it anyway. is one of the most. It is crazy how emotions get into it. Oh man, sometimes you know, and yeah. you got to ride out the storm. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, and actually, I think that's part of being a professional, especially when it hits below the belt. Oh. You know, because they always hit below the belt. Oh, it's never yeah. going to be above. You're never going to get a clean one. To the, it's always going to be some cheap, like because it's an emotional reaction. You know, and it's going to hurt. Here, here's a time you got to walk I, that shit off. <laughs> as an agent, one of my first closer friends in like my new career at Quicken, um, he was recently engaged or married, and I'll, I'll never forget. It was like uh, St. Patty's Day. I was starting to show them homes. And he was like, hey, you know, I was like, hey, come on out. Let's grab a drink. You know, we were buddies before all this. Is to Come have a drink with me. He goes, oh, we just got done with this. We're going to head home. I go, well, if you want to go out tomorrow morning, let's do it. And um, the next morning, I guess he went out with another agent, wrote the offer. And I was I was so mad. I was so, And it was, it was very volatile for me then. I was like fresh agent, like just going out on my own. I was like, oh my God, dude. Like, it's on. like having your puppy killed in front of you. Like, yeah. people don't understand. Like, that's how terrible it is. And until he, was like, he became a really close friend. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> and so, fast forward years later, you know, like, we kind of we stopped hanging out and it was, it, it, it sounds super petty, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that that killed it for me. When I talked to him, I, you know, he came to apologize. Like, I'm sorry, dude. I really, you know, I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. You know, like, we jumped the gun sorry and i go all right cool and was, i was like it's cool it's like you know the the biggest reason we did this because you know we felt we felt like the other person was more experienced and professional than you and i was like 
Oh, now I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I look, of course, I look up the guy's production. I'm like, it's a second deal or something. And I'm like, are you kidding? I, like, what I've been doing? Like, I'm gonna, I'm, a, I just, I just became a broker. And it was like, it was like a slap in the face. So now I went from like money to just, just a shot at the ego. And so I said, I took some time and, you know, I just kind of like chilled out and we kind of had a couple interactions in between, but it was never the same. But guess what? When his son was born, he had some issues and I reached out and was like, Hey man, this heart goes out to you guys. I hope everything's going now. It's all fine. And what happened two weeks ago, I got a call seven in the morning. Miss you. Can we get coffee? I want to buy a house and I'm using nobody but you. There you go. And you got to be patient. Yeah. It took years, took years. But if I would have gotten schmucky, I would have never had that. You would never have it. Oh, and it's like, I already lost. There's nothing more to lose at that point. 80% of people don't use the agent they use the last time. Mm -hmm. Think about that, folks. You're playing a short game. Mm -hmm. If you're like that, what he's talking about now is holding your ego together and playing a long game. Yeah quarter quarters of century instead of quarters of years right yeah and you're only like you're not even you're not even a little bit through your first quarter know. you know and picking up steam so that's that's how you do it yeah. that's how a professional does it it could be hard too. eat that shit yeah gotta eat that shit sandwich yeah. and choke it down no it's gonna be good for you later yep. you know? <laughs> oh, this is gonna pay off in three to five yeah, years right. like, oh, uh, choke it down so choke glad it, down. it worked out though because well know. i like to remind people too because I was a young, arrogant, short-sighted man. You? Yeah. Never. No. And uh, with a sharp tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you had it. Oh, man. Man, you can cut somebody down and do years of damage. Years of, of damage. And then you realize it's just your feelings being hurt. It doesn't feel like that when it's happening, but it is. Like, if you're really a professional, like, I still feel it sometimes. It's like It's not like it doesn't happen, but it's like working out a muscle. When it first happens, it's the most horrible thing to you in the world. And after the twelfth time, you're like, it's just part of the game. Yeah. And I gotta win over the longest period. But yeah, it's hard when it happens. It's a terrible oh, I've had several, I won't go into it, but it's like it's almost like you had your heart ripped out in front of you. I went over to this one person's house for seven fucking years. I helped out in many way and they went for sale by owner. Oh my god. I'm still playing the long game, but I'm like it d- doesn't mean it didn't hurt. God. Even it did like it's uh, like yeah. I'm pretty tough at this point, you know. I'm like Jesus, you just tore the damn thing out, stepped on it, like oh shit. But you got to play the long game. I had, a, I had a buyer. Think of every shitty thing you've ever said to somebody, and realize that's the same person saying it back to you. Have some empathy for them in that situation because that was you at some point in time. That was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, circle it back around because what's happening to you, you never think of yourself doing it to somebody else. Yeah. And you probably have. Yeah. And you probably feel pretty fucking bad about it. <laughs> so show a little empathy and they might come back to you. They might because you you take them as they are. Right? It takes a minute to learn that, doesn't it? <laughs> it's so hard. It's easier said than done too. You know? Oh, huge. I'm still crying about that seven year one. You know, shit. It's like, my that's God, a lot to put into somebody. And, and that's why I had that issue too. I was like, put a lot into you. I've been, yeah, but not seven years. So you, you win. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 You won the most yet. pain. <laughs> yeah, you're just get. you're just right. getting, yeah, right. you're just getting started. I know, right? I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, I guarantee you're going to have more pain because you got more people under you. Yeah. More no, people, more problems, more pain. That's, that's real man. for sure. Like that's, uh, I've had, I've had some old boy moments like, please, please don't these people, everybody calm down. Like, let's just 
What's your goal? Can we help? Okay, you still want to sell your house? Let's focus on selling your house. Let's yes. not focus on why we're mad at this person. Like we can still sell your house. We can still buy this. I've done the takeaway several times. Hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry, um, but here I'm. We can let you out of this right now, and you can go hire someone else. And they're like, oh no, I don't want that. Oh okay. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to sell the house. I'm like, all right. Well, let's just keep like it completely deflates them when you it's whether a pattern disrupt. Whether it's your yeah. fault or not, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, you're like, yeah, I don't want to hold you this. I'm like, that's the last thing I want. Yeah. Like, I didn't really, I'm sorry you're so unhappy. And that was not what I intended. And I should have done things differently. And um, I'm well, yeah, we just let you out right now and you can go hire someone else. I'm like, no, I still want to work with you. They just no, want to be heard. But I'm sure you're being 100% genuine too. Yes, for and, sure. You know, like, and, and that's the, de- you can, you can, most people can see through that stuff. I haven't had one person actually fire me that way anyway. I've been fired before, but not not when they're doing the the cry and and the why. Like, whoa, what what happened here? Because usually it's something else in their life and it had nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And you just got to ride the storm to get to what the the problem is. And I just go right at it. You know? Yeah, I'm just like, okay, no man, I'm shit. That's not what I want. My bad. And they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle it. That's what we were talking about earlier uh, before we started the podcast. You can solve almost any problem if there's not yelling involved. Man, ain't that the truth? Like when the yelling starts, you got to ride that thing out. Don't even argue until the yelling stops. And then you'd be surprised what you can actually get done, you know, and yeah. allow people to have those emotional reactions because you probably did too at some point. I know I did. A uh, sharp yeah. ass tongue. That's fair. Use it like it. a whip, like a, like a weapon, <laughs> you know, I'm not proud of it, but I did. You know, I don't now. That's part of growing up. But I think if people would remember that when they lose business, it makes it a little easier, you know? Oh, yeah. And look at that. 80% of people don't use the agent they used before. So guess what? <laughs> Matt's over here still doing the grind. <laughs> hey there. How are you? Glad, good to see you. I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm glad I worked through this and yeah. I'm professional enough to treat you right. And I got the business back. That's a Great. fucking awesome story. Yeah. it's It's been good. It's been good, man. Well, that's really the difference between the wholesaling and the agent stuff is wholesaling is about being first and being an agent is about being there whenever they need you. And then it's never open to debate, but one's a fast game and one's a, one's a slow game. Mm-hmm. I think that frustrates a lot of people, the slowness of the game, right? The relationship oh, yeah. game. And like, it can be very frustrating to people. Whereas the wholesale, like it man, way faster, they, you know, they're, you know I've never been really much of a gambler, but to me, like if, if that's the feeling you get when you're like in that gambling mindset, the quickness and ease of that. And sometimes it's just really gratifying because especially when you really solve some solutions, some major problems really fast. It's like, wow, this is great. It's emotional. It's exciting. It's fun. It's rewarding. I get that. And there's profit in it too, but yeah. the longer you can think like mm-hmm. that's, that's why I think you're doing so well now. You know, you saw, you had a vision. You had to make a sacrifice for it, you know, you had to, and you, you've implemented your vision and now you're making corrections to that vision. If you can't think long term and get through those things, it, you're just not going to get your vision implemented, you know, right. and it changes too over time, I'm sure. But that's part of the, that's part of the grittiness mm-hmm. of it, right? You got to, got to suffer through that shit. Yeah. Also realize your ego too. Like I was terrible about that. Just. My, my fucking ego all the time getting the best of me till I got my ass kicked that second time. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Isn't that funny? Bury that ego, man. It, 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 those, <laughs> those like moments that kind of like jar you and rally you, you know, sometimes it hits you so hard. You literally get knocked on your ass and you go, what, what did I miss? Yep. 
What did and, and then what, that's sometimes the first best question. What did I miss? That truck what did that I not pay over. attention yeah. to? What was I? What did I have my blinders up for? And like, how do I not get hit by that? Truck I knew everything, Matt. <laughs> You're right. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah. I obviously did not. That's like, it was like getting hit by an uh, eighteen wheeler. Like, oh, you didn't see that coming? No. Each wheel just boom, 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 boom. Every boom, one boom. of them. <laughs> That's a great question to ask, though. What did I do? Mm-hmm. I should have asked that question first. I didn't, of course. Mm-hmm. I wallowed in myself misery for a couple of months. Then right. I asked the question. But yeah, if you find it sooner than later, totally. That's a that's a great thing to do. Let's circle back though, because I don't want to lose. I think this says something about your character too. Part of being in business is making hard decisions. And sometimes you make decisions that cost you money, but it's still the right thing to do. So let's talk about this. Got hired to work for a cash advance company. <laughs> Whistle blew. Company is now shut down. It's easy to do the right thing when everything is going right. Yeah. What happened here? And don't get yourself sued. Don't get oh, yourself yeah. sued. Like, so be careful. So we tell him. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. We're going to pause real quick. All right, folks, we're back. We're going to get this story right here. We're going to take a little bathroom break. <laughs> we drank a lot of coffee and yeah, a whole iced tea, tea too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, yeah, was gone. So we had the no wide mouth Mountain Dew around here. So right. anyway, <laughs> working for a cash advance company and you blew the whistle and the company is now shut down. What happened? And don't get your ass sued. Luckily, that guy's sued enough, so I'm okay there. But thank you. Um, yeah, don't, and you guys don't get sued. Um, but so here's what happened. Um, I was working at United. Um, I wasn't loving it, and I got an opportunity to go work at another company as an underwriting manager and help develop their processes. And I was like, wow, that's a really great opportunity. It sounds like more responsibility. It sounds like an oppor- like a chance to really develop things because I started to get that it, that itch when I was at Quicken. I was like, man, if I would have just had more – ability i could have grown this thing in a whole new way and so i go and i immediately realized in the first 24 hours that has that what my role is going to be was very different from what my interviews were and i was told it was gonna be underwriting red flag lending yeah and i go wait a minute we're doing we're doing pension advances and they're like yeah i was like okay how does that work then I, I was like, so it's a loan. Like, no, it's not a loan. Okay, so but it's lending though. I mean, we're we're saying you give me this for that per rate. And like, no, we don't charge an interest rate, so it's not lending. And I go, okay, this is weird. So we kept going. I kept diving in. Within twenty four hours, I was like, I don't know if I made the right move moving here because this was not what I thought I was doing. They were trying to get into mortgages, but they were never going to. Is what actually ended up being. Um, so I started working with them. I realized, oh, shit, I'm here. Let me see what I can do. They have guidelines prohibiting lending against HIV patients, um, people with cancer. I mean, all the protected classes. Yeah. And I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to go ahead and put this in writing that I am not for this because I'm going to get, I don't want to be a part of this when this goes down. And so I'm, I'm like, and plus, one of, some other things we thought we were starting to realize were. Wait, how old were you? Thirty. Uh, okay. Yeah. Still a young man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, they are. They. I start bringing it up. I'm like, I don't think we can actually like 
not lend to these people. Well, we're not lending. That's why we can do it. And I go, well, no, but it's we're still asking people about their private information that is protected. And I just don't see how we can do this legally. Uh, and then I, the question became, how do insurance companies get to do that? Which is a baffling question to this me. This reminds me of like people are like blowjob is not sex. And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, no, that's I not say cheating. it's not. No, it's, it's just a blowjob. Like, no, I'm pretty sure we're that's like, so. No, you're lending. Like, you're, you're, like, you're lending. No, you're, no, no, no. It's just blowjobs. Right? Oh, no, it was. Bro. It was. I was like, how are we this? You're kidding. Nobody. Yeah. It was bad. So I start like getting involved. I realized that my superiors don't know what they're doing. I'm like, wait, you guys hired me to do this. I'm here's me showing you legal proof of why. Like these are protected classes and we can't be doing this. And there, and then like, I remember the, the VP, she goes, you know, you make a good point. I go, I, I don't know if you're messing with me or not, but she takes, she gets on a phone with like the CEO. She goes, Hey, Nathan, are we okay to be doing this? And he goes, who's asking? Oh, brother. <laughs> I was like, Red flag. <laughs> one. Red flag. So I was like, I'm just saying, like, pretty sure these are protected classes. I was like, I, and I don't even know if we really need to do this to be profitable. So maybe we could just stop. And he goes, he's like, you mind your own business. You get back and you manage my fucking company. I go, ah, that's where I work. <laughs> I don't want to work here anymore. Um, and so I said, all right, that, yes, sir. I'll, I'll get back to work. But I just want you to know, I'm going to. If you don't mind, I'm going to do some numbers. I'm going to do check out an algorithm because I'm pretty sure I can prove to you in numbers that we don't need to do this and we'll be. I like viable. how you're sticking with it, like viable. Trying yeah. to use the chain of command to correct it. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, mind your own. And then he gets off the phone. My 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 boss goes, try it, see what you can come up with. I end up, I end up I, I I outline all the files that we did that were, what in my opinion, illegal. Versus the ones we did that were legal. And I compared which ones were paying versus not paying. And I go, dude, sadly, the people who are at her who were health risk were paying more than the people that weren't. I was like, which is even more stupid that we're like not lending to these people. People we found out after the thought that we repulled, we pulled, we repulled, we triggered like a do on sale type thing, um, acceleration clause. Uh, it was just like, it was like ridiculous. And then I said, well, plus now let's factor in all the lawsuits we have in all the States. Look how much money we've lost. If we stop doing it here, lawsuits are gone. People who are paying are some of these people. And why don't we just do that? And like, here's how much more money we should make. And we won't like be put out of business the next two or three years. And they're like, my boss goes, seems pretty convincing. <laughs> and she brings it to the CEO. He's like, he's like, he's like, Keep your fucking nose out of this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and keep looking. Third so, red flag. I, I was like, this sucks. And so we weren't, we weren't lending to certain bankruptcy people, uh, back bankruptcy histor- historically. And I'm like, and at this point, I didn't really care about this company. I had built our conversion rate up higher than I ever wanted it to be because I kind of felt shitty about it too. And I was like, I'm doing my thing. I was, I was flying over to Manila because we had a, a hub o- over there too. I was working on, they actually did a hell of a job in the Philippines. Like really brilliant talent. I mean, it was way underpaid, but that's how it is. And you get all these tax benefits and by having workers over there. I, had, I learned a lot about international business working there. That's for sure. Um, but when it came back, 
I saw these things and I go to my, I had a new boss and who, who was my equivalent at one point, but because the other boss just didn't come in because she was always out working out or whatever and skipping, going shopping or whatever. Um, he was kind of my go-to and we start working on some things and we start improving the company and we, we started kind of cutting down at the stuff that was illegal. I was like, Hey, we're on the right track. This is kind of cool. Maybe Steve's going to be the guy to help us do this. And then we tried this thing for bankruptcy um, to remove like, and kind of change some guidelines up. I ran it by him and another manager and uh, we all agreed. This makes sense. And so I have been writing saying, Hey, this makes sense. Run it. I run it. Got fired like three days later. I'm like, cause I was on the radar already. I was like, and it was just, it was just so crappy. I was like, man, like between the crap I saw at Quicken and, you know, everywhere else and Chrysler. And I was like, I kind of hate like corporate. I don't think I am the right fit for corporate. And I was, when I wasn't mad about it, I was thankful. I was thankful. I was like, man, I'm just kind of glad I got fired. Cause I've been debating just going off on my own. I'm like, hell, what better time than now? And that's when I started working with Jeff. Jeff was an awesome, you know, advocate and support. Um, and you know, that's when, ironically, that's also when that, that deal with my buddy came, came to fruition or not. <laughs> it's always at the worst time. I know it is. It that, is. It catches you I unaware. So that's like, why I say buddy. by a uh, below the, but you're not even thinking it's coming. Yeah, I know. Whammo. I know, man. And then I know as I'm looking around and like thinking about new brokerage to join, um, that's when I got the, the, the license, got that going. Um, tried it with two partners. I tried it with two partners because I felt I was the young, I was the youngest. I was the least experienced agent and I thought I needed that. turns out, no, I was pretty self-sufficient and within a year, um, they were bought out by a sale agreement. They're doing whatever they do. Um, one is still do, I think actually maybe they're both doing real estate now. I'm not sure, but everything was uphill since that day. Everything was uphill. It was like I no longer was because I was covering all the costs. I was earning a third of all the income, and it was just stupid. I was like, man, I, I really, I really like got screwed on this deal. It doesn't make sense. I'm so glad I got control of things. Um, and it was a very uncomfortable exit for us, but I'm glad it happened. And you know, I even had other people in our group kind of warn me about some things, and I was like, well. I haven't seen the issues and then I saw the issue <laughs> and sure enough, there we go. Um, but honestly, man, it was the best thing for me was to just start trusting in myself. And that was one of my biggest life lessons is I should have trusted myself a lot more, a lot sooner. And sometimes you need to get your ass kicked and burnt a lot more often, right? It was, fail you, faster, man. Fail faster. It, it, Don't do it slow. slow. Like, this is not good. I, I actually started a book and never finished it. I started it. Thank you for firing me. Yeah. And was, you just maybe still finish that one. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really was. Is he in jail? Can you send it to him in jail or? Which guy? <laughs> the uh, the uh, cash advance. Yeah. Uh, he's he's yeah. in jail. He got found um, in one of his homes in Miami or something. I actually just found that out like a month ago. So it's by one of the people that just came back to work with me from that company. There was actually a lot of great talent at that company, oddly enough. And I'm very happy. I still have those relationships. Well, people get stuck. They do. They do, man. Well, they think they don't have any other options or they start living by fear, you know? And then like you said, you got fired. That's like, Sometimes the word Jordan Peterson says is I never get tired of saying it. I think I've said it on the podcast too many fucking times too. So I'm pulling a Joe Rogan here. Sometimes the best thing for you 
is not only the thing, if you heard the idea, you'd think it was the worst idea you ever heard and you would never choose it for you in your life. Mm-hmm. Fast forward some years and it's the thing that made you who you yes. are. Yes. You know? And it was the best thing that ever happened to you that you never would have picked. Mm-hmm. Life is ironic that way. You it know? really is, man. <laughs> so that was that was pretty much it. Um, as I kind of got regained regained control of WSR and I changed a lot, um, I realized, hey, wait, now we're back up to some kind of comfortable position. And I like really went hard last year, and we grew pretty tremendously. And we just had a really really special award party and holiday party and. You know, like a lot of people have been to all kinds of award parties and stuff. They said this was not like anything I've ever been to. It was like every we did an interview series, too, and with some of our agents unscripted, just the questions were answer. Hopefully they're good answers. But they kept resonating this thought of family, like this comfort, this culture. And it came back again, even on our, our award party. Like I've never been with such a close group of people in a company setting. And it was very, you know, gave me the feel goods. <laughs> you know, it's like just continuing that's my whole goal is how do i continue to foster that create that make it just this warm fuzzy kick-ass environment like that's that's effectively where we are now pretty much caught up on everything (laughs) it's amazing how many people go get partners that they regret isn't that right i'm not a hundred percent against partners but i think people should approach it more like a marriage they you have to and they and I'm guilty of it too. I've told mm-hmm. my fucking story on this podcast enough times, so like I'm not mad at you, listener. I've done it. Yeah, but yeah, as you point, have some confidence in yourself. You yeah, know? totally. And if you're going to get a partner, make sure they're great in all the ways you're not. One, one period in the report. My, one of my one of my recent partnerships that kind of went weird. Um, I did find this. Even if you have mental like alignment and general chemistry make sure you're not too far off in where you are. Like I, I opened another company with the intent for it to be supplementary income, grow it, grow, you know, you know, as it grows, the other person needed all the money. Greed became a factor. Yes. And now I realize, and even though that I continue to pay that person and allow them to earn more and more money to the point where it got questionable. And I was like, well, because I can't trust this. Now we're going to, from now on, we're using bookkeeping accounting from a third party. Um, and guess what? More pushback, more pushback, more pushback. And then it turned kaput. Yep. So good news is, well, there's a lot, I can't talk about too much of it yet, but people, people make their own beds and it's even better when they write in detail all the things that they did wrong. Makes it really easy. Yeah. Don't make, if you make it that easy. Yeah. Like, all right, well, thanks, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting, but again, I've had, almost eight other great partnerships. So I'm not, I'm definitely still pro partnership. I have grown more selective and some of those understandings of what you pick in a partner. And my dad, my dad was talking to me about it. He goes, man, it's such a bummer. Like you need to pick your partners wiser. I'm like, yeah, but that's not always something you can do. People evolve and change just like in a relationship. Yes. Start off amazing. Three, the first three months could be, you know, honeymoon then like things can get real. And after a year it got really like, Oh man, we are just button heads here. And that's just where it is. You sometimes you can't know. I, I knew that person probably six months prior too. So it's like you can't, and I've also had partners that I met on a weekend and I'm so happy we're partners now. So it, ha- it can go any direction, but definitely if you can't break bread with somebody, never 
ever be partners with them. <laughs> and really think like, get somebody good. I'm not, I'm not against it either. Right. But I think a lot of times, like I did it out of insecurity, you know, yeah, like I definitely a fault for that. Yeah. You're like, well, man, can I really do it on my own? But this guy, he's done X, Y, and Z. And then together we can do, and yeah. I understand the thinking, but make sure the reality matches like, and you're probably more capable than you think you are too. So hold off longer, have a little, like you were saying, trust yourself. Yeah. Trust yourself that you can figure it out and then make sure you're someplace good too. Like mm-hmm. if you're getting any red flags, fucking bail, man. Like that's just, I don't know how many, like how many red flags you work through before you bail. Like that I'm less, less than less <laughs> as you go forward. I've been, like, I've been one or two now is enough for me and that's it. You know, learn from your mistakes, you know, it's just, yeah, they're red flags for a reason. And then people come back around too sometimes and that's fine. But like, trust your your instinct on it, and have a little faith in your damn self too. Like, you you can figure this shit out. Look what you're doing over there. Turns out you didn't need as many as you thought you need, huh? Yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. how that works. It is, man. <laughs> it is. It's not, you know, it's well. You got a lot of drive too. That's one thing I noticed. I made the first mistake with my first partner. If your drive doesn't match, it's going to be agree. a problem. Yeah, it's a problem because you are what you are. And like in my first partnership, I developed a terrible resentment. Because the other person had one idea of what work was, and I had a completely different idea, Mm -hmm. right? It didn't matter what else he brought to the table. That poisoned the fucking well. Was it it fair resentment, would you say? Yeah, but it was also unfair in the sense that I did it to myself, right? Gotcha. You know, so. That's that's complete ownership right there. Yeah, like I should have known better. It was obvious up front. I thought it was going to change. Because we were doing it together, you know? So if you're the kind of person who works 12, 14 hours a day and you're trying to partner with someone who works six hours a day, that shit ain't going to work. Yeah. Don't matter how smart they are. Yeah. So yeah, you're a driven person. Probably not too many people are going to do too well, you know? Mm-hmm. Can't help it. It's like almost human nature. Well, this is the part of the podcast where I want to open it up to whatever you want to talk about. If there's something we didn't talk about already. If you want to pitch something, pitch Woodward Square Realty, whatever it is you want to talk about, this is the time where I say thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and your expertise and your ups and downs and all that. What would you like to talk about, sir? Um, I'm very much not a pitchy guy. Um, I really, you know. Here, my pitch basically basically will always be this: How can I make your business better? That's always going to be it. I, from a Woodward Square Realty WSR, we go down to WSR. It's a lot easier on the tongue, <laughs> but from a WSR standpoint, um, we are always looking for great agents. You know, new agents, old agents, whatever. Just people that have a sense of ethics and focus and drive. That's what we want, and we want to show you how a broker and a brokerage can actually pay it forward in a way you've probably never experienced and probably won't. That's, that's about as pitchy as I'll ever get. But if that sounds good, I do treat a lot of people to really great food for lunch or coffee. There you go. Yeah. I'm I'm a foodie. You know, whenever we have our events, we try to have a really good food. Um, no, we, you won't ever see me order pizza for you. I, I think that's a, that's a no no. <laughs> won't do it. I know exactly what you're talking I about. I cannot stand yeah. like, you know, we're doing a. Here's your ten cheese pizzas, man. You fucking went all out. I see. I know. Wow. We got, <laughs> went from nine to ten, guys. No, like it's good funny. thing I like cheese. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I happen to love cheese. I did go vegetarian, so this worked. But uh, like for instance, like when I look at like how I, how I 
support my client, my agents. Like I want them to feel like they're getting that, that supplementary support with their clientele too. Like what we're doing the movie thing or doing that right now, we're probably gonna end up doing that like quarterly. But one thing that I'm excited about too, is everybody does the whole park, you know, um, summer, you know, uh, cook off thing. Everybody gets hot dogs and whatnot. I want to do like steaks. Like we might not have enough for everybody, but I'm going to be giving out steaks. <laughs> and if you're there, you're going to enjoy it. And it's like, we want to do like, um, like a minute to win it Olympics. We want to do some fun stuff. Like we don't want to do typical. We want people to go, wow, I can't believe I went to a real estate broker, like hang out and actually had a riot. Like if I can create that sentiment every time with my agents and clients, it helps them with their clientele, helps them with their confidence as an agent. It creates just a warm, warm and fuzzy environment. <laughs> That's a lot of value. Well, I'm going to throw into also a little harder. Like I think a lot of people would make sense, but especially if you're that investor who also wants to do retail or you're the retail person mm-hmm. who also is super interested in the investor stuff. Like uh, to me, that seems like almost a perfect fit. I'm sure way more people fit than just that, but it's a sure. question I get. Most people on this podcast are investors That's too, true. right? Right. So, I mean, I got some people listening who aren't, mm-hmm. but if you want to do a wholesale deal, you want to do a flip and you want to take a listing and you want to show a buyer because it's a nice $300,000. Like there's just not that many places you can go to that would make sense where people would actually be able to help you out. And it's low cost, high value, yeah. right? Not cheap, low cost, high value. There's a difference Thank here. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Think like Costco, right? Getting good shit. You yeah, get a good, good deal shit. on it. Yeah. You know? yeah totally. <laughs> I like that. So I still buy my beef from Costco. You can buy prime. It's some of the best beef you can buy around. I wish I can get better sometimes. Make you want to go to Costco here. But yeah. like, it, it's like that. So I think for a lot of you folks, it would be worth checking out. And maybe if you're in a shitty place already, maybe it's time to just start looking to see anywhere, right? If you if you're listening to this thing and you're like, actually there's some red flags in my life, maybe it's time to have a conversation. So yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Folks, Appreciate reach out two four eight nine seven four two one nine one or M Stillman at WSRealtor.com or WSRhome.com. Facebook.com forward slash Woodward Square or he's on Instagram at my broker Matt. My broker, Matt. All right. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Guys, if you enjoy this podcast, here's some ways you can help out. First of all, at least reach out to Matt. Say thank you for coming on the podcast. Maybe you can do some business. Also, rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It doesn't cost you anything. So even if you're poor, you can go do that. And then more people listen to it. That helps. You can also share this podcast across the internets and do all sorts of stuff like that, right? If you're looking to hire, need to sell this house, you can reach out, refer some buyers, send me your wholesale deals. We're trying to match up more people. And if you don't have anything to add, don't worry about it. Pick a goal, you know, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're ever interested in attending the local meetings or meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. And of course, you can always hit me up 313-600-2133. Shout out to Joe Randall, mortgagesbyjoerandall.com, the official sponsor of Renegade Joint Investor Meeting and Podcast. He bought us a lot of nice shit. 
So you can actually hear in a room full of 200 people instead of just the dull roar of the crowd. And also now we're streaming on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, and he bought all that. So go check him out, mortgagesbyjoerandall.com, two L's. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know there are many distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, lots of things preventing you from starting or continuing goals. Fuck them all. Pick one. I don't care how small it is. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day, or as like we say in Detroit, every day that gets you closer to your goal. Yeah, I've lived here too long, and I'm okay with it. I do appreciate you listening to this podcast, and I appreciate your attention. And until the next meeting or podcast, crush it.